Welcome to Savvy Savvy's podcast. This is episode 59, Senate Blocks Railroad Sick Leave. Only one squad member voted against blocking the railroad strike, the House split sick pay from the railroad contract bill, only to see sick pay fail in the Senate. Railroad workers now have no guaranteed sick pay. Who is to blame? And I see we already got a couple of people lined up. Let's go ahead and bring in Scotty. All right, Scotty, let's hear your take on this. Who's to blame, Scotty? Who's to blame? Hello? Hello? Hello. Okay. Um, so I uh, was watching the part of the show uh, this evening, and um, I want to say as far as the new um, proposed schedule for the uh, primaries, um I think the way that they're set out uh, with, like, a couple of the southern states, like they usually do in the Democratic uh, primary um, when it gets, like, to, like, March. And partly the, that their way of saying, well, we're going to go into the more uh, African-American uh, areas. But what they're really saying is, is that... They're going into the more conserv- uh, conservative areas where, like, um, say, South Carolina. South Carolina hasn't voted for a Democrat for president since uh, Carter in 1976, right? So, I mean, I think part of the reason why they're able to use the fact that it's a, a, a huge black population, one, because of uh, Jesse Jackson's wins in uh in the 80s and because uh barack obama after iowa right so right but it's like you said the uh the voters are more conservative like i'll give you an example 2016 um once it get got to the midwest areas um a lot of people don't know this but uh Bernie Sanders actually won uh, the black vote in Wisconsin, right? And uh, there were exit polls done in Wisconsin, and turns out that was actually one of the most liberal or most left-leaning of states that uh, he won, but also uh, with the black community in Wisconsin. So... The more states he got to uh, one with the uh, black community, um, uh, like outside of the South, the more um, either left leaning it got, and because of uh, you know the way the South is in terms of primaries, and in terms of um, how it aligns politically. So my guess is this move to sort of get Georgia and South Carolina in early is the way uh, is to assure that they get the most conservative Democrat as possible. That's, that's just my opinion on that. I agree. I think so too, because otherwise why not make California an early primary state? You know, they, they tried to do that. They tried to bring in uh, California earlier with um uh in march uh but they realized that Kamala harris was terrible 
And she wasn't just going to lose. She was going to lose to Bernie Sanders. And they didn't want to have that embarrassment on their hands. So that's why they told her to drop out. So, yep. yeah, there's that. Um, as far as the uh, rail worker thing, just like you said, yeah, they they definitely should have uh, uh, striked because we knew that this was going to happen. Um, but uh, they were going to slow walk it as far as they could to the deadline. And they were going to get played, and that's what happened. And I at least thought, and I kind of gave them uh, too much credit on this, I at least thought that the squad would at least performatively vote uh, uh, in the right direction, just, like, performatively, right? There's no reason for you guys to actually vote for us. You know it's going to pass, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe they have... Uh, so much hanging over their heads that even if they perform the vote for it, that I guess that's too uh, much for them. And so, yeah, the, uh, their go ahead. They allowed Rashida to. They allowed their one. Uh-huh. And this is usually what they do. They allowed one of them to to go against uh, what the majority of the Democratic Party wanted. Which is Rashida Tlaib, and that's what they usually do. They they had their rotating villain, um, or but, rotating but to your hero. point, right? But but to your point, like you said, they knew it was going to pass anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not just vote with your conscience at that point? And I think that's the point too that Shama Sawant was trying to make is like, listen, DSA members are not strike breakers, and this is exactly why there was a protest today from the DSA chapter in Boston protesting against Joe Biden because Joe Biden was here today for people who are not familiar. He was here today and DSA protested against Joe Biden because of this situation with the railroad workers and they had union organizers there as well. So I think this says a lot and that's not the first time I've seen DSA speak out against the squad's actions that it doesn't go against, doesn't go along with the uh, DSA uh, handbook with the policies that they have outlined in that handbook. So this has happened multiple times, but Shama Sawan is 100% correct. Like, you can't sit up there and call yourself a democratic socialist and you're voting against these workers being able to go on strike. And I really feel bad for the Railroad Workers Union because I think they really believed that our government was going to do the right thing. And I think those of us, a lot of us on this call, we knew otherwise. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, I, before I go, I wanted to ask you, um, have you ever heard of the, um, this is something that happened, uh, decades ago, but it's very relevant, um, have you ever heard of the Congress for Cultural Freedom? I haven't. Okay, the Congress for Cultural Freedom, and I'll say, actually, Caleb Maupin actually mentioned this, like, months ago. But uh, it's um, it was a um, a, a government uh, program to sort of um, usurp the arts community and yeah, the arts community, Hollywood. Um, uh, basically, they saw the uh, communists um, gaining traction in the states, right, and. 
they also they saw like uh, Russia doing like high-minded art, uh, and they say one way to combat them was like through the arts community, and so they basically they paid like artists, intellectuals, like academics um, to say basically if you were on the left, like you could be on the left. But you had to be anti-communist, right? So you could be against the war, but you had to be against Mao. You had to um, be anti-communist. Like uh, there's this big history about it, and they did this. Um, they basically did this for like I say twenty years, like like the fifties to the seventies, like. There's a lot on it, and if you look, like, basically with the way, like, um, like certain, um, like, uh, outfits, like, um, like, you know, Black Lives Matter, or, like, certain, like, musicians, uh, certain artists, um, like, you could kind of, you could kind of see, uh, like I even, uh, I think he even said that James Baldwin was a part of this at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I had to send you the link to that, but um, even there's um, Patrice Lumumba. Um, they had brought over Louis Armstrong um, over, like uh, uh, during like uh, the coup. Uh, I guess uh, Patrice Lumumba and I guess it uh, caused the diversion and like uh, that that's part of how he was killed I had to uh, uh, get some of the details on that particular incident but yeah I think you guys should uh, do an episode on the Congress for Cultural Freedom because it's actually very relevant in like how the government uses the art community, uses academia uh, for like state narratives. If you can send me the link, I'll check it out. Okay. All right. Have a good night, Savvy. Thank you so much, Scotty. All right. We are bringing in non Zensi. You're on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hello. Hello. Uh, hello, uh, I watched uh, also CJ's stream earlier. Uh, he uh, talked about. Oh, nonsense. Non You're a little low. A little low. Okay. Yeah. I that the mic is on more to my left. I watched also CJ's show earlier. We talked about getting in contact with the RWU. Uh, and uh, I can't talk about potentially talked about potentially um, getting mutual aid into uh, working with them and also potentially getting him on the show. It, it's kind of hard to hear you, Nonsensi. There's like static in the background. Uh oh. Did I lose? I think I. You're unmuted, but now I can't hear you at all. Okay. okay. Um, 
Can I ask uh, over chat instead? It's kind of hard to hear you because there's static in the background and the static is louder than your voice. Are you on the computer or your phone? Can you hear me? Um, let me let me try to make you a speaker and see if that helps because yeah, it's all I hear is static. Okay, can Hi. you mute? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I think, are, are you using an external microphone or are you just talking into the phone? Okay. Um, ah, no, I, I see it. Yeah, because we can barely like... So, we can... uh, yeah, uh, CJ talked uh, uh, talk about getting in contact with the RWU and said, that RBN is potentially uh, reaching out towards um, uh, them for mutual aid. Uh, do you know about the uh, ongoing process about this? Yeah, so that CJ probably just mentioned that today, right? He mentioned that today, right? Can you hear me? Okay, well, what I was going to say is that um, I have one of them coming on next week, and I'm, I'm going to ask them about that when they come on. I'm going to mute you because it's, it's kind of, it's yeah, it's really loud. Sorry, it was, it's hard to hear. I'll come back to you, Nonzinski. Let me go ahead and bring in um, Andre. Andre, you're on the mic. You just have to unmute. Hi, Sebi. Hey, how are you? I'm, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, normally, I have to catch up on these calls or your videos, but uh, um, it's a pleasure speaking to you and everybody else. Um, just uh, regarding the strike, I, I wanted to say something last night and I forgot about it. Um, on another call in with Bree. Um, what I think, yeah, obviously they got screwed over by, but I, I, I thought the signs were evident. If, they, if they're even talking about uh, making a, the, the kind of bill that they were, that it, if that's even in their frame of thought, for me, that's already, they're way too far. They're nowhere near to negotiate. And they're out to screw you. Mm. Uh, I'm saying that as somebody who's in a union. And for me, um, my union um, uh, vote is coming up in two years. And I'm very wary about what... Um, my uh, company is going to try and take away from us. And You're saying yeah. that if they're struggling to reach an agreement, 
then chances are they're trying to screw you over. You're talking about the union, the union leader? No, 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 no I'm talking about um, Congress himself. Mm. The, fact that, the fact that it was already out there, them talking about making this bill. You right. can already see, just by, just by the mere fact that they're doing that, you can already see that the thought process is there that they want to create this un, completely undemocratic thing to take away the rights of the workers. And this is in the thought process. They're not even considering what it looks like to somebody like me who's a union worker saying, well, to hell no, I'm not going to negotiate with people like you. And obviously you don't have my best interest at heart if, if you're thinking that if you're thinking right. that you're going to take away my rights to strike. Right. Um, if, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, and as CJ says, it's, for me, it's, this has been very eye-opening as to the power of what the railroad workers have. I, I know that, um, like, the air hostesses and them, they have some power because they can shut down commerce. Uh, bus drivers have, but these railroad workers seem like they may have even more than any of them put together. <laughs> and in some ways, I feel like we should um, get together in terms of I don't know how to communicate with them and get hold of them and maybe try and create some GoFundMe's or crowdsource for them and help them stay on the picket line and get them to strike and then ask for them to make demands on, our, on, on behalf of all of us and we fund them. That's exactly by all, of us, by all of us continuing to work and we can afford to fund them. Right. But, That's uh, exactly... Then they're going to do what um, they did in um, Canada, probably freeze assets. Yeah, that's exactly what I was hoping that they would do when I first started talking about this two months ago, when they first started complaining that their needs weren't being met, that they weren't getting the right benefits, that they worked through the pandemic, that they weren't giving them a raise. Like this goes back uh, quite a while. Right. And I said, so back then I said, they need to go on strike because if it had been that long and they've been trying to negotiate with the union, and this is one of those positions where it does affect the supply chain. And then I found out that Congress can intervene uh, because of that. I said, like, no, you got, they need to go ahead and go on strike. So when uh, one of the union members, when they, when she comes on next week, I'm going to ask her why they didn't just go ahead and go on strike. Because if they would have went ahead on strike and they did say they are prepared to strike. So that tells me they probably have some type of mutual aid set up. So they are prepared to do so, but they wanted that to be a last resort. So my thing is, if they were to go on strike, then they actually could have even increased their demands 
and they could have gotten more. But hoping that Congress was going to do the right thing and that they were going to get that guaranteed sick leave through Congress is wishful thinking. I mean, this is the same Congress that doesn't want to give everybody health care in this country and you're trusting them to give you sick leave. So for me, I just I said, no, they should have just went ahead and went on strike. And now they're not even guaranteed sick leave at all anyway. The same Congress is still has a minimum wage of seven twenty five. That's right. That's right. And that's why I said, like, again, that's not an easy job to do. Now, someone mentioned to me, they said, well, the U.S. government can bring in the military to do that job. And I was like, for how long? I mean, these are the frontline workers. These are the railroad engineers. Like, that's not something you just learn how to do overnight. So they actually do have, they had a lot of power. I say the same thing for the truckers. The truckers, they also have a lot of power. The port workers have a lot of power. So if they feel that they're they're not getting the right benefits and they're being used and exploited, they need to take advantage of that, especially right now with all the other labor strikes that have been happening over the past year and a half. Now's the time. Yeah, um, yeah, um, sorry, there's a bit of an echo, I don't know if it's on my end, is it okay on your end? Yeah, it's fine on my end. I mean, what I would have done, here's what I would have done, like, if they would have said, listen, we're going on strike, here's the reason why, then you know what could have happened? Those of us, especially some of us listening in, we could have helped. We could have joined with them in solidarity and like helped them. It's like, yeah, we support the railroad workers. DSA is doing that. You know, I mean, some of us I'm sure would have wanted to do that as well. You could even ask the truckers to get on board and join in solidarity with them too. And that's how we could get real legitimate change in this country because the supply chain has to move. If the supply chain doesn't move, like what are they gonna do? Like, it just, it's a matter of time. Like, you need to give these employees benefits. I can't even believe, I was talking about this with my mother-in-law the other day. And she's just like, it's ridiculous. Like, this is ridiculous. They, they're not asking for much. And they don't even want to guarantee them sick pay. It's terrible. Yeah, no, it's not terrible. And there's a few things that this pandemic has taught me is that one, they'll call you essential worker when they need you. And one, they'll screw you over as an essential worker when they don't need you. Um, but, um, so. Yeah, I, I, That's true. That's true. I, listen, I know many people that work through the pandemic without getting any sick pay any time off, like, or if they were to take time off, they were threatened to be fired. Like I've heard all of these stories. I remember I was still at BU at the time and I was at Boston University and they were trying to give us that same type of fear tactic. Like, and we had lost pretty much almost everybody in my department at that point because people were tired of being overworked and exploited and abused. And so those of us that were left, the few of us, they tried to give that fear tactic to us. Like you guys need to do this and little things they started nitpicking about. 
if you showed up late, you were like three minutes late, they started to make that a big deal. And like, well, you got to keep your job. And they really messed up because they were assuming that people weren't going to be able to find other jobs because of the pandemic and because we were on lockdown. They weren't thinking about the fact that, yeah, other universities were still hiring people. They were doing remote interviews and they were letting people still work from home. And so we lost uh, quite a bit of staff uh, because of the way that they were treated uh, during the pandemic. And I sit back and I think about what's happening with the railroad workers. And I'm like, these guys work through the pandemic, no sick pay, no raise. But the thing is, guys, it's not just them. Like, they're not alone. Other people have been doing this as well. And a lot of people have been quitting. And that's why I said, no, you guys have a lot of power. You guys need to go on strike. Don't be nice to Congress. Congress is not going to be nice to you. Um, I think in, in some senses what I'm saying is instead of getting them to ask us all for um, a GoFundMe, I think the rest of us who support them should maybe recognize how much power they do have and we should try and maybe start a campaign to encourage them to go on. But maybe we can, maybe I can start a petition. Because she'll be, right. let me see, let me uh, check my, my email. So I can just check that date because, uh, let me see. And then we all get together and we all blast it on social media. And we say, I'm donating to the strike fund. Um, but the only, my only concern about this, on about that is like, how do you, um, how do you control the funds getting to the correct people? Right. And because we've seen what, how it can be mishandled. For instance, some of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter campaign mishandled money from what I understand. And That's right. That's right. I mean, it just, I think this is an embarrassing moment. Like, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like this is an embarrassing moment for our country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and the other thing that I've that, that I learned from the pandemic is that there's a different protest that nobody's thought of. And that's because a lot of these protests, they just want to crack down at people, right? So if you have a protest where um, we all get in the cars and we all coordinate to shut down freeways, it's harder for them to get to all of us if we're all shutting down different intersections so nobody can go get on the freeway. And another way is if we all just somehow we find a way to communicate with each other and solidarity and we say tomorrow for the rest of the week, none of us are going to go to work. We all stay home. They can't find us all at our homes to get to work. They can't do shit with us. 
it's impossible. The only way that they find is they find the leader. But if we, if we collectively, collectively don't have a leader, then yeah. it's impossible for them. I think we need to, if anybody, especially if anyone's listening, this is something you're really good at. If we could get a petition started demanding that Joe Biden issue an executive order, because like I said, he can do this by executive order, to give them uh, the guaranteed sick pay, that would be great. And get some, get some momentum going to show them that, hey, we know Congress didn't do what they were supposed to do, but we stand in solidarity with you. They're that important to the economy, and they can cost the economy billions. Their salaries should be doubled, and they should be given unlimited sick time and unlimited vacation time. They are severely underpaid if their jobs are that important, and they're severely understaffed if they've gotten into a position that they have the power to be able to shut the economy down. They should be having double the amount of staff so that the economy will always be running. I mean, That's a good point. Like, I was just thinking like, could you guys imagine if Occupy Wall Street was around right now? Could you guys imagine if that was happening right now during this whole agreement? with the railroad workers, just imagine what could be accomplished. And I would really like for DSA, I know like they had that protest here in Boston, but DSA has chapters all across the United States. I would really like for DSA to also, you know, have this happen with all the chapters, all the chapters in the United States. We all need to be standing in solidarity with the work, with the railroad workers. Because I don't want people to look at this as a left-right issue. This is not a left-right issue. <laughs> like, people need to have sick pay. And I don't really don't know how else to put it, but it's just, like I said, it's embarrassing. And even people who are not, that I know that are not into politics, even they've reached out to me and they're just like, this is ridiculous, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, the... The, the framing that they do on mainstream TV is like just insane. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, the framing's the framing's been pretty bad. Been pretty bad. Um, uh, it, it's it's always bad, but like this is like beyond. When I'm like, when they're asking that, I'm like, are you prepared to shut the economy down? I'm like, you're not prepared to pay. It honest man's living and you prepared to shut the economy down i wish they'd reverse the question to them if the union bosses had any any um, any um well some of them need to be a bit more forthright like that uh, railroad leader in uk is he pushes it back way better to the conversation Right. Well, one of the things they mentioned in that statement, which I think is a good idea, is that they said the railroad needs to be, it needs to be public. 
that it, it should not be owned uh, by private, it should be public. So in other words, what they were talking about, that sound more like a worker co-op, right? And that could be another one of their, I mean, honestly, like, I look at it as though, is they're going to go on strike now? That definitely needs to be one of their demands. Definitely. Right. So that they don't end up in this situation again. This could happen again five years from now. If they don't have some type of ownership. Right. Uh, I mean, there's, 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 they, they can do it as a co-op or you can nationalize it. And then it's up to the government to make sure that they're paid properly. Then they can still strike against the government. But then if, if it's, then again, if it's nationalized in this, in this kind of system, it's not as good as being uh, nationalized in a collective system where it's a dictatorship of the proletariat. That's right. Well, Andre, thank you for I just want to make sure I get to uh, the other callers. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you, Savvy. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I'm going to bring in um, Anthony here. Anthony, you are on the mic. Another thing I wanted to bring up, too, is the fact that look how quickly they vote to send billions of money to Ukraine. They're not divided on that. The Democratic Party isn't divided on that. But when it comes to just giving people sick leave in this country, all of a sudden they're divided. They don't know what to do. Joe Manchin says he doesn't want to establish a precedent. They have unlimited sick pay, guys. Congress has unlimited sick. So it's just like, was that a precedent that was established? Apparently it wasn't because everybody else in America doesn't have unlimited sick time. Go ahead, Anthony. Oh, yeah, it's just terrible. Hey, Sammy, how you doing? Yeah. Well, I just joined a union actually the uh, other day, so that's pretty interesting. And thankfully, they put out a statement that was, you know, in our point of view against, they called out both parties today, so that was cool. But it's not affiliated with the rail. But I don't know, I'm looking at Biden right now at his uh, press conference with Macron. He said, uh, he he got a deal, a contract no one else could get, and it just sounded like a Trump thing to me. Like ah, I did the best deal, no one can negotiate a deal like me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Biden. Even, and you know what's sad? Some people are only hearing Biden's like take on this, and I haven't checked. I'm gonna check tomorrow to see if anyone in mainstream media talked about the press release that came from the union. Because so far, I've only seen it on independent media, like CJ, well, me and CJ, other people probably uh, covered this as well. But um, people need to actually read that press statement that came from the, in fact, I'm gonna put that on Facebook now. But go ahead, Anthony. Uh Oh, yeah. Well, there's so many liars, uh, like Ryan Grimjob. uh, He says this is what the union wanted for them to vote for the deal. But then, okay, what would Grimjob say about what? Talib and um, some of the other Democrats did like would he say that was more what the unions wanted them to do and, and then he should say which unions because he's talking just about Teamsters in general which you know is a huge affiliation of all kinds of industries he's not talking about the rail unions what they wanted them to do That's, and then Ryan Grimm and then Joe Biden said a majority of the rail unions actually voted for the contract but that is not really the unions, yeah, but represented by a majority of workers voted against it. So they're all just kind of little liars in that. 
Right. Well, one thing I want to remind you guys is remember what Shahid Buttar told me recently. He said Ryan Grimm has a direct line to AOC. So direct contact. So, you know, with that comes other issues, which is in order for you to have a direct line of contact to a politician, you probably can't criticize them too heavily or that line will be cut. So I found it was interesting. She responded to his tweet, but she didn't respond to anyone else. Like, of course, again, he has a direct line uh, to her and I'm sorry, but it didn't seem like he reached out. Like based on what I saw, it didn't seem like he read that press statement that came out from the railroad workers. So I highly recommend that if you guys are listening and you haven't read that statement, everybody needs to read it. Because what they're saying and what Ryan Grimm and AOC are saying and Rashida Tlaib saying some, something completely different than what Ryan Grimm and AOC are saying. None of these people are on the same page. But based on what I read, the press release from um the union is different compared to what the politicians are saying and i haven't seen i haven't seen aoc and jamal bowman and all the rest of them i haven't seen them issue any type of press release uh statement they've just been tweeting and their tweets don't even match like i said if you look at jamal bowman's explanation his explanation don't match aoc's aoc's explanation doesn't match rashida Tlaib's. so they're not even on the same page you guys could have at least gotten together in one room and said, hey, how are we going to word this? So that everybody was on the same page. But when you have multiple people from the same party saying different things, it is very suspect. Oh, yeah, Grim, he's the worst access journalist amongst them and uh, with AOC, at least. But, you know, some people more in our or not are then the left space are kind of saying trying to give Rashida Tlaib credit for being the only one who voted against it. And um, I just think, I mean, fine, that's okay. But I have a laundry list against her. She's pretty bad on a whole range of issues from foreign policy to COVID lockdowns to you name it, sanctioning countries to, you know, uh, Julian Assange and Russiagate and just everything. Rashida Tlaib's Ukraine. I mean, get real. And she's told me not to vote for her like three times. So everyone who's still saying she's the best, uh, no, you got to disabuse yourself of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> she told you not to vote for her? <laughs> when I brought up Assange and Afghanistan's money and, you know, Ukraine, all that stuff. Wow. Um, well, that says that. <laughs> I don't even know what to say if she told you not to vote for her because she knows she's probably safe. Uh, let's go ahead and bring in Ashura. Um, Ashura, I want to get your take on this. Uh, it's no surprise. I mean, when um, when they said that they were going to do two votes, I was like, it went back to the whole uh, uh, force to vote thing. Went back to the whole uh, what was it that two the two bills that were supposed to be connected, but they didn't they didn't connect it because they believed that Joe Manchin was gonna do the right thing. Build back better. Build back better. Like it, it's the same shit. Like did you did you really expect these guys to actually do something for you? They're never gonna do anything for you. <laughs> the only way for you to get what you want, you have to go out in the streets. And and when it comes to these workers, uh, these uh 
Real world workers. The, the, the fact that they they got a back to work bill, like I want to see some backbones from these people. If they say go back to work, say fuck no. Mm-hmm. Because you, you, there was too much trust there, Shira. There was too much trust from the union that Congress would do the right thing. I mean, I thought Congress has a very very low approval rating, just like the 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 news. I mean, yeah. why would they trust them? I mean, I, I would be like, okay, we're gonna basically uh, giving give out a fire uh, a firing warning, and see how well this basically goes with Congress. If Congress tries to say, hey, we're gonna force you back to work, guess what? There ain't gonna be nobody coming in. You're gonna have us at the picket lines. Mm-hmm. Watch them bleed mm-hmm. cash, and when they bleed cash, and then people will try to point their fingers at you, say, oh my God, you you workers are the reason why I'm not getting my medication. No, it's your fucking politician. That's not that. That's the reason why you're not getting your fucking medication. Cause they get fucking paid by these by my boss, who is fucking me over for my sick day leaves, and and my fucking ra- not giving me a raise. That's who's basically fucking you, my boss and my the politicians basically in this country. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're 100 correct, and I think that i don't know like i said i just feel i feel really bad for the workers because i feel like a lot of it depends on the union heads man like if the union heads got <laughs> i know you <laughs> i don't i don't want to say bad words on this show <laughs> but if, if these union workers got a dick I mean, they got a fucking, they got a fucking hard dick, basically, like, fucking erection or some shit, whatever the fuck. They better go out there and say, yo, man, I got a dick, I'm gonna basically go out there and I'm gonna fucking protest. Anybody else got a dick? Let's go out there and protest. We ain't gonna do shit. We ain't gonna do, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna bang pots. It's gonna, we're gonna be strut, strut, uh, strut this thing for days. Well, I don't see it happening. With the truckers, I mean, I mean, say with them, I wish they had done other things than just, you know, talk about the mandates, but they did shit. I mean, they scared Trudeau to the point where Joe Biden had to say, hey, get your boys in check. Yeah, because you're right. They could have added other other issues onto that as well, not just the mandates. <clears throat> yeah. Again, um, like, Canada, like, there's things you guys have that, that we don't have here in the U.S., like. Well, it's like I last week. I, like... Last week I went to the hospital, and I was, I'm, I'm telling you, even with that whole you know free healthcare that's paid into your taxes, the services is so fucking slow. I've learned that basically that only half they got half the people staffed on the weekend, and the day staff is the same shit. And that means that the only way if you want you gonna go to the hospital. You basically need full staff. They're not doing that. They're basically not hiring more nurses and more doctors. They're not doing that. So um, even with that, so basically you could probably learn from the Canadian system because there, there are some problems with the healthcare. If you're gonna want what we want, what we have, you're gonna have to basically look at what's going on. Is, is, is are we gonna get the same problem that you get in in the United States if you go to a doctor or you are you gonna wait eight hours for a fucking spleen? Hmm. Well, I, I hate to tell you this, but having been in the, the ER, in the waiting room, our service isn't that great here either. <clears throat> well, can, I I, there, there was a time I went to the ER 
and there was three people in the waiting room, Ashura. Three people. That included me. I had to wait for hours, hours for them to even take me back. You know why? They only had one doctor. That's in America. Well, I had to wait like fuck. I mean, I had to spend a night at the hospital. <laughs> I mean, for only for some dumb shit like acne problem. So I had to spend the night at the hospital so they can tell me exactly what the fuck is wrong with me. Mm. I'm I'm like really for you know and the and the problem about and the real problem is you really need a family doctor to skip the entire line. If you don't have one, you have to wait a long time because you'll have a lot of people coming in, and these people get served first. Why? Because they got a family doctor that told them to skip the line. Why? Well, I, I don't know about the whole family doctor thing. Um, but they do ask, like here, they will ask you. Well, um, yeah, well, that's the thing. Like they, they ask you that at the hospital and the clinics nowadays. Well, clinics, they didn't ask you to do that. Now the hospitals, they're both doing it now. If you don't basically have a family doctor, go sit your ass out for like seven, eight, ten hours. Wow. Oh, man, 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 man. So if you're going to basically want health care, you got to basically look at what's wrong with the what's going on over here. You're going to have to have more asked for more doctors, more nurses. You got to have a full staff. Otherwise, you're going to sit there for hours because to me personally, if you're going to go see a doctor for something, you got to be in there. You go in for 15 minutes. You're out there quick. If it's not that, if you don't have like a, a broken arm or anything like that, it's like some minor shit, should be in there for 15 minutes and then you're out. Mm. As for, uh, one, I was, uh, did you see, um, what's happening? Oh, yeah, for the Jamal, Jamal Bowman, I'm like, what did he expect to happen? Like, did he expect not for people to come for him? I'm after. <laughs> After how he tweeted and then voted afterwards? I don't know, but I do know that Jamal Bowman is, like I told you guys before, he is the weakest link. He, he really is. Like, so. I disagree. I, I say it's Omar. Well, no, she's, she's pushed back, at least. She's pushed back on a couple of issues. He doesn't push back at all. Um, the only thing he was really focused on was trying to start a national hip hop day. That's what Jamal Bowman was focused on. I'm not kidding. I'm not. Oh, even you gotta joke. be fucking kidding me. Not even joke. Joke. I mean, that's that, that, that's fucking virtue signaling. That's nothing. Nobody that's wants a fucking national hip hop day. How about he basically says, "How about a national voting day?" Mm, he didn't say anything about that. Now I know that was something that he really wanted. I think that he drafted some type of legislation <laughs> for that. I'm not kidding. A national hip hop like, day. People don't have health care and you're trying to make hip hop a holiday. Only Jamal Bowman. Not serious, man. It's not it's he not Jamal Bowman. Sure. It's it's all them it's all them Negro sellouts in Congress. <laughs> They're the ones who will come up with the hip with all the hip shit and say, "Oh, let's get a holiday for that. Let's get an exemption for that shit." We both know who's gonna get really gonna get paid for this hip hop holiday. It's gonna be the record companies and the fucking artists. Mm-hmm. 
you're not gonna get dumb jack shit out of this hip hop audio. I'm like, that's the fuck. That's the first time I heard that. That's the dumbest shit I've, I've ever heard. What's what's next? That's, that's I, well, I, I, I wish for AOC to come out and say, I want uh, National Latina Day. Hey, don't put it past her. <laughs> How's Puerto Rico going? Like, no, no, no news on Puerto Rico. I mean, I thought she was from Puerto Rico. I thought that was her thing. She from? She's from New York. Yeah, but she kept saying that she's got some grandma in Puerto Rico. Well, hell, I probably got a great grandma somewhere else too. But I yeah, mean, it's she, like because <laughs> I remember she was bitching about something. Oh my god, man, the people of Puerto Rico, man, she's got some family down there in Puerto Rico that needs help and something like. I haven't heard shit about that 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 family in Puerto Rico from AOC or Puerto Rico at all. Even the yeah, dreamers. Like, they really her her family members or these people that she made up. I mean, they could be her family members. I mean, she could just not give a shit about them and just use them as props. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what her polls are on now, but um, <clears throat> I, I hope they basically put her in a far, far district, basically to reduce her numbers, because uh, she's basically a, she, she she she's been caught she's been called a fraud. I mean, it's it's right in your face. Oh yeah, like I told you guys. You don't get an internship with Ted Kennedy by not wanting to be a career politician. Like that just does not happen. You know how hard it, well, he's, he's passed away since, but you know how hard and how difficult it is for someone to get an internship with Ted Kennedy in a college town like Boston, where you have all these universities here. You kidding me? You know what the competition is like for that? Hmm. What about these other squad members? They're not, they're not idiot, right? Which ones? The ones that won the, they won the, uh, they won their elections this uh, midterm. I oh, know they, yeah, they haven't. They, they're coming in January, right? Right. They start January. Okay. Okay. So uh, how's it? What's the what's the verdict for the uh, election midterm? Because yeah. I know the House basically got taken by the Republicans. Yes. What about the Senate? So right now, Dems still hold control of the Senate, um, but uh, Warnock and Walker have a runoff race that is happening next week. Okay, so <clears throat> if uh, Walker wins this, so Republicans get, get they get control of the Senate, right? Right. Okay, so uh, how do you think this is going to go for Warnock? Because... Uh, Promises have been broken, and uh, these workers are being forced. I mean, I mean, they keep Democrats keep taking L's. I mean, they, it's not like they're take, they're taking them by 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 accident. They're willingly taking these L's. They don't want to do anything. Right, right now, he's he's leading in the polls. Right um, now, he's leading the polls. But Herschel, Herschel or or Warnock, Warnock. Oh, really? Well, we won't know for sure until next week. Because just remember, that's just the polls. That's not the actual results. Okay. So we won't know for sure until next week. But, you know, again, he was another one. He didn't vote at all. And some wow. people say, well, he didn't vote because he's going through a runoff. I'm like, so? <clears throat> that's bullshit. Do you support you, 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 it or not? And another thing I found out, and I forgot to mention this on stream, 
Did you guys know that Warnock also did not vote on the Marriage Equality Act? Uh, does that include LGBTQ? Yes. Inside? Oh, well. He didn't vote. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say the guy's anti-gay, but if he's a pastor, he may have to, you know, he may have to set some couple of sermons so he doesn't want to do that. So I can see him but not voting for you see how the Democratic Party is becoming more and more right wing? Like, well, they've always been. No like, they've always been right wing. I don't even know his stances on LGBTQ because I've I don't think I've heard him mention this actually. But again, people are making the excuse. Well, he has a runoff. That's why he didn't vote. And I'm like, no. Like people need to know if you support it or not. It's not about like, especially the the um, Marriage Equality Act when they already had the votes for that. We knew that was going to pass. So how could you not do one way or the other? You just going to sit this one out? I'm I'm, I'm still I'm still waiting for him to to give the rest of those uh, six hundred six hundred dollar checks. <laughs> Are people going to vote this guy back in without those six hundred dollar checks? I don't know. I mean. People are coming out. I mean, people came out to support him last time. I mean, it was still really close. It should have never been that close to begin with. Uh, How do you get that close to Herschel Walker? How do you let Herschel Walker get that close to you? Come on, man. I mean, if, if, if I was whispering this guy's ear, Herschel Walker, I would say, hey, guess what? I'll give you that the other, uh, the rest of that $600 check if you vote for me. <laughs> I'll give you that rest of that $600 check that Warnock doesn't want to tell Biden to give you. You know what? That actually would have been a good uh, campaign strategy for uh, Herschel Walker if he said that. That actually probably would have worked. Yeah, because that, that would have pushed him over because I looked at all these races and the, the, these Republicans almost won. They almost won. If there wasn't that one third party guy in there, they would have won by two, three points. And I'm like, the Republicans are looking at this. Oh, they're going to shut down these these third parties quick they're not gonna want to lose again mm. i'm surprised uh what's her face was there was it um was it Liz Cheney that was running as a democrat is she officially running as a democrat i haven't checked That's i mean, what they I, wanted saw, her to do. I mean i was watching it online i saw her name she was running as a d and she got maybe like 44 percent. i'm like really 44 percent of you would vote for liz cheney <laughs> Either Liz Cheney or uh, Lisa Mikowski or some shit like that. I don't remember, but I'm like, damn. I mean, Trump broke a lot of brains. They might be setting her up to lose. <laughs> <laughs> they might be setting Liz Cheney up to lose. <laughs> Democrats may be like, yeah, come run for our party. You'd be great. <laughs> they just want Liz to fundraise, so she lose. It doesn't matter. They did their fundraising. I mean, who would want Liz Cheney, anyways? Uh, Robert Reich. <sighs> he said so. Robert Reich. I heard you talk about this guy, and I—I I will say I'm ashamed. Though I used to like uh, Eric Mike Dyson. Me and too. I used to like this motherfucker, but then he started being pro Democrat. Then I started wising up. Then I realized who this fucker was, and I'm like, oh, you're a virtual signaler. That's okay, right. you don't you don't really mean anything. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit put 
Cornell West in there too. I'm like, I don't want to put him in there, but he's on that same boat, man. He's on that boat. Who, Cornell West? Yeah. I asked him if he would run third party. He said he wouldn't put it past him. Cornell? Yeah. I thought you said they all refused. Hmm. You said you asked. Uh, he he said he wouldn't put it. He wouldn't put it past him, but it's what not something him? he was not something he would do by himself. Oh come! On. Oh, so he so he needs a little push. Okay, so uh, get together with Jimmy, uh, Chris Hedges, and everybody else who doesn't doesn't want to run, and let's push him. He said, "Did you ask Chris if Chris Hedges? Did you ask him?" No, it's a it's a tennis it's a tennis it's a tennis uh, game with the ball is did you ask whoever <laughs> whoever gets past that ball is that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it's true. Cynthia McKinney said never say never, but she doesn't live here. She lives in Asia. You know? I mean, would they let her back in? I mean, they could pull some bullshit and say, "Oh, Cynthia McKinney was living in Asia. She's probably like some what do they call it, the fucking government government and uh, agent, some shit like that." They probably would, but she's in uh, uh, Bangladesh, I believe. She's she's oh. not in China, or because if she was in China, they would try to use that one against her. But she's in Bangladesh. She teaches over there, but. Yeah, I mean, like her and think about this, guys. Let's just run through some names, like her and Jesse Ventura, third party, be fired. Because what you'd have is you'd have someone like Cynthia who can advocate for a lot of the progressive, like social issues that we want, right? But then you'd have someone like Jesse that a lot of libertarians like. So that that duo could actually work. But again. She don't live here. So that's another possibility. So what, what do you think about what the Anna, Anna said uh, on that clip? I, I was like, man, they're just, they, they, they're just basically uh, trying to shield themselves before Jimmy makes a video about them. I mean, again, like, it's got to be embarrassing. Like, I... I, I, I couldn't imagine working it. You know, I think TYT was at its best in in the past i think their i think their golden day has has passed them and that's not to say that they don't get the views or anything like that it's just to say that i think the influence that they had i think that time is has come and gone and i think that it's hard now considering the fact that the squad isn't doing anything bernie sanders sold out working class people and poor people two times in a row so i mean it's like it's got to be hard if you're working at TYT, because you're still supposed to push them. You're still supposed to tell people like, yeah, the progressives, da, 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 and that kind of thing. And yeah, they'll, they'll criticize them here and there, but never to the point where they would lose access to them. They would never criticize them as much as we do because then they would lose access. So, and even now, I don't even think AOC has been on TYT. So I don't, I don't know. Like, like I told you, like I'm telling you, man, Maybe that's why they can, They I noticed they have been more critical of them in the past couple of months, and that could be because they don't come on TYT anymore. Yeah, I think it's because they don't want to, they don't want Jimmy shitting on them. <laughs> because Every time basically uh, Jimmy says something, basically it, it comes true, it comes to the squad. 
because he's he was right. Like forced forced to vote basically exposed them, and they've uh, they've been limping ever since. Yeah, because they know like that was the first thing that they were supposed to do. That was the first thing they were supposed to do as Justice Democrats. They knew that. And so the way they folded like that and they didn't respond. And what killed me were, I guess you would say, I guess you would say those that weren't even in Congress at the time that still didn't participate. Like, like for example, uh, Mina Turner was not running at that time. She wasn't running for campaign. She wasn't running for uh, Congress and she was not part of the Bernie Sanders campaign anymore. Why didn't she participate? You see what I mean? Why didn't she come to the force the vote town hall? Those people were the ones I really also looked at side eye like because you are they had nothing to lose. Oh, hello? Yeah. Oh, okay. I want to bring in non Zinzi. Can you try to can you unmute? now and see if your mic works test testing yeah i can hear you go ahead yeah uh what i wanted to ask was uh i heard of cj uh, he thought about if the uh you uh rwu uh, the ray workers uh would crazy cat strike uh to contact them uh, and talk about them uh, about new tool eight, and he might send Rome. Did you hear back about this from Rome or from CJ? No, I didn't. If if CJ said that on stream today, it wouldn't have happened already. Um, but I already reached out to them, and one of them will be on next week, so I can also talk to. I can ask in person. Yay! Thumbs up. Yeah, Thumbs I'll up. just ask her. I'll just ask her in person. Um, but yeah, I can imagine they're going to need some help. You know. Yeah, sure. Um, have you also thought about connecting them with the truckers? Uh, another caller already talk, uh, talked about. I've thought about that too. I have to find their contact info for the truckers. I gotta be careful how I approach that too, because sometimes like the trucker group, they may not, they may not appreciate being thrown into it by me, but they may be more receptive to it if it's coming from another union person. Does that make sense? Like if it's coming from someone from the RWU, then they may appreciate it more. But if it's just coming from me, like someone who hosts like a podcast, they're probably like, who does this woman think she is? <laughs> yeah, you know, because I'm I'm not I'm not in a union like I'm not one of them. Um, it's a funny thing you say that because um, I once was trucking talking to a trucker, tr the truckers, and uh, one of them got very agitated because they saw your they saw your face talking on my phone, and they thought I was a reporter because he kept asking me over and over. I'm like, no, I'm not a reporter. Stop asking me that question. And basically, he saw you talking, so he thought I was talking to you. Yeah, I, and I can imagine, like, some of them want to be able to go on strike, and they don't want to be on camera. They don't want to be recorded, and I totally understand that, too. You know, and I've run into those situations, too, where some people are like, they don't want to be seen. Like, they don't, and I totally get that, you know. 
for fear of retaliation. Uh, that's part of it, which mm-hmm. is not going to happen, but it does happen. Um, and they have families to think about too, you know? Uh, I don't think he was, I don't, I don't think he was fearful of basically being on cameras because he's, he's probably realized because he's been, they've been shitted on by the media. Um, when, when that was happening and the media went after them, uh, <clears throat> relentlessly. So anybody with a phone, they um, uh, immediately thought they were, uh, basically from the news and they didn't want to talk to them. How do you see the chances of this, uh, going into some kind of general strike from there on? Well, we have, to, we would have to get the railroad workers to go on strike first. They haven't said if they're going to do that. I mean, because the thing is, like, Congress has basically voted to let them know you have to go back to work. You can't go on strike. Now, some people are saying you guys should they should strike regardless. But I don't think they can do that legally. I don't think they can. They can quit. They can do a walk. Yeah, that would be a possibility, too. Uh, thank you, Saps. I will leave this space now for other people to talk to you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, on a, on a final note, um, I want to say one more thing about TYT. Did you know that TYT used to, you have to give them five years of your life without pay? And you will work, when you're working for Jake Uger as an intern. Five years of your life? What is this? The yeah. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard if you're working for TYT, if you're gonna get employment, you gotta get a five year five year internship at TYT. That's Where how that black. Uh, that's how it is over there. I heard that's how that black dude with the dreads basically got there. Like basically, he was working internship and basically after five years, he basically got in. Are they paid interns? No. Oh fuck that. No, that was that was that was back in the day. I don't know if they do it now, but back in the day, you gotta give Jane Cougar five years of your fucking life for free. Forget that, man. It's, it's <clears throat> it was T, not CNN. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's ridiculous. Like that means you would have to have another job because you would need some kind of yeah. Income. That's the thing. Yeah, you would have to have another job on the Crazy. side to support you in order to basically decide to go look, work at your dream job at TYT. Yo, that's that's some capitalist bullshit. Oh, he Seriously. is a capitalist. No, that's 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 terrible. Poor, I didn't know that about him. That's Jr. Right? Yeah, yeah I didn't JR. know that about Jr. Oh man, well, hell, at that point, Jr. could have went off and started his own thing. Yeah, barely. Yeah. Anyways, I'm, that's I'm, interesting. I'm, I don't think I don't think Jordan had to do that. Well, they changed it. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think I think if Jank extends his hand to grab you, you're in. But if you're walking in that door to be part of TYT, man, you got to go to that five-year uh, pilgrimage. Yeah, see, they were better back then, though. Like they, like I said, I think I mean, the pil- the pilgrimage they were, it was there with them. So I don't know how they were better. <laughs> Well, they were better. Remember, Jimmy used to be a part of TYT back then. Well, too. they were. Like, but I'm talking about I'm talking about the intern stuff. Oh yeah, that I guess I, I don't know, man. Now people <laughs> kind of look at TYT with a side eye, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Man. Anyways, uh, I'm gonna let Davis talk next. I think 
I think I think Roger was next, but he basically went back to being a listener. I think Roger probably did that as an accident. Um, but yeah, I'll go ahead and grab Davis. Thanks so much, Ashura. Okay, Davis, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute. Hi, Sabi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Great to speak to you again. How are you feeling about all of this, Davis? Uh, I mean, my I'm going to ask you. I asked Nick, Nick this question, and he was, you know, I want to compare your answers because you're both American. And um, it's not the exact same question actually, but it's similar. And I have a couple of those. And the first one is what, I mean, what conditions do you think, like based on your knowledge of your own people, uh, what conditions would it take for, for you all to get like more bothered, you know, because I feel, I, I don't get the sense that there's really, you know, a lot of uh, like enough anger for me. And people have not turned broadly, broadly speaking. I don't think people have turned against the squad, really. I think I don't think their constituents feel betrayed by them. Uh, you know, I'm, I could be wrong about that. I'm open to being wrong, but I think they just won re-election. So I was just like, am I crazy or am I just in an echo chamber of extreme leftists who are just super negative about everything? and divorced <laughs> from reality because <laughs> honestly i'm beginning to get a little freaked out um and and it's just like what conditions would it take for for people to to get bothered and why it, does every critique that rbn makes of of the squad i mean you guys make very you know solid trenchant critiques that folks have so much trouble arguing against because the, 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 the logic is, is so airtight. And I'm like, okay, so it makes sense to me. How come nobody else, especially their constituents, you know, feel that way? I mean, I, I don't know. I, it just seems that um, the political, you know, political, uh, I don't know how to call it, the political, I guess, miseducation complex is literally it's so divorced from how americans themselves view politics so it's like it's almost like we're talking about something else and americans just seem to not be experiencing it you know um, I, I remember feeling this way when for example you know trump was elected and then you know everybody was like oh my god he's going to be hitler uh and then uh, a photo came out of him and his interns, the White House interns, and they were all white. And people are like, oh, my God, all white interns. People like posted pictures of comparisons of like Obama's interns and Trump interns. And Trump's were like super white and Obama's had like, you know, black people and everything. And I remember thinking, wait a second, isn't he Hitler? Like, so you want black people to work for Hitler? I mean, why would you want that for them? <laughs> Do you like black people? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, okay, so the conversation turned into representation, which was just completely divorced from T Trump himself being a white nationalist, you know, in power, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just remember thinking that's so, so odd. Um, and same thing with, with Kyrie, uh, with his comments, you know, about, you know, being a Hebrew Israelite and I don't know what. And I remember thinking, this is 
this is like this is the thing that people are, are talking about, you know. And I remember seeing there was a group of black men, I think, who are like standing outside the Barclays Center saying, you know, we are the real Jews. And I'm like, wait a second, this, it, I, I mean, of all the things that plague us as men in this society, we, we, we just don't seem to be able to mobilize ourselves. In my view, I could be wrong, but uh, black men, we don't seem to have the, you know, we, we don't really mobilize like that. Like, like black women, you know, are, are more, in my view, organized. And I remember thinking, you know, I was just happy to see black men like mobilizing and protesting as a group. Uh, I, I was just sad that it was this topic that, that got people out there. And I'm thinking of all the men, like we are, and of course I'm an immigrant, but well, I'm a black man now, you know, America doesn't give a damn about all those differences. I'm black, you know? I sure don't. Um, and, and I just read a sad report about how you know, Atlanta is full of, of homeless, you know, black men, very young black men. And I'm thinking, and I live in a metro area in the Pacific Northwest that shall remain nameless because it's so damn embarrassing. <laughs> but <laughs> going through my downtown area, it's black men, you know, we are just so, society is just so ready to cast us out, you know, mm -hmm. at the slightest imperfection, you know. And I'm just thinking, wait a second, why don't we have a rent fund for us? You know, a national rent fund where, you know, for black men, why, why don't we do? And I'm like, don't we do, do? Am I just insane that we don't? Is there like a group of us that are actually doing this? You know, my, the point is just the, the, the American people's action seems to be completely divorced from their actual conditions. And I, I don't know, um, how to quite, uh, make sense of it you know Kanye West is the new topic of the day with his tweeting of of the swastika you know mm -hmm. and everybody well, just wants to go on about it you know and I'm like well, the Democrats are funding Nazis yeah there's that too and I think well so here's the thing a couple of things uh one the last time I remember black male mobilization in the U.S. Uh, for an event that was huge was the Million Man uh, March. Um, since then, I haven't seen it, not just like specifically for black men, but the Million Man March was a big deal. Uh, that was huge. Um, George Floyd's protests were, I think, they, I think they're still saying that was the largest uh, that we've had in the U.S., but that was across the world. And that was everybody. That wasn't just black people. There were white people there, too. Um, a lot of younger people, though, a lot of younger people. Um, but I think part of the problem is in reference to mobilizing people. Things were different back then. Uh, the Million Man March, for example, there was no Facebook. We didn't have social media. People weren't distracted. So how did they organize that? They actually met with each other in person. Mm. Same thing with the civil rights movement. They met in person. And so I do think that makes a difference because you actually are getting to know the people that you're organizing with. So that's part of it. There was a stronger sense of community than there is now because a lot of people were just on their, their socials all the time. Mm -hmm. The other thing too, uh, in reference to black women, like mobilizing, you know, 
I'm going to go back to the 90s again. And mm-hmm. some of you may remember this. But some of that comes from, just from what I remember, there was an author, Terry McMillan. Terry McMillan really energized and motivated Black women to do things for their self and to not rely on a man Mm-hmm. to help them now some people will say that backfired a little bit mm-hmm. because some people took it to the extreme and was like i don't need a man i don't want a man and some of those men kind of felt like well i guess black women don't want us now so i'm gonna go find other women mm-hmm. and that a lot of that push came from terry mcmillan because of her experiences that she went through for those who don't know terry mcmillan is the one she wrote the book called Stella Got Her Groove Back. It was made into a movie. Angela Bassett is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was it was her true story. And she turned it into a book and they turned it into a movie. Um, but the guy that Terry McMillan was, you know, fell in love with that she wrote the book about, he turned out later on to admit to her that he was gay. Wow. So after that, she felt scorned. And then she went on this publicity tour and Oprah Winfrey was one of the shows she went on and she told women, I'll never forget this, do not rely on a man. You don't need a man. You can do everything by yourself. And some women really took that to heart. And so if you're not pursuing any type of relationship and that kind of thing, then what will usually happen? You might try to put your focus into your studies. So then you started to see more African-American women going to college for undergrad and then advanced degrees, grad school, uh, law school, uh, getting their PhD. And that led to a documentary and another segment that I saw on ABC probably about 12 years ago, which was this documentary talking about how black women are the most unmarried women in the United States. And they were interviewing other black women talking about Yeah, we got everything. I have a house, I have my car, I have my degrees, but I can't seem to find anyone to have a relationship with and to get married with. And you know where they were based, Davis? They were based in Atlanta. Oh, man. And so so that that's a big part of it. Like there was that push for for black women to go do those things. I do remember that. Um, Another thing that I think is a factor is that you know, I think some people still have Trump derangement syndrome in the United States. I think a lot of Americans still do. And so some people are just voting for Democrat politicians because they're afraid you might get someone like Trump. If it's not Trump for president, it's someone like him in a congressional seat. So they feel like they have no choice but to vote for these Democrats. That's where that whole vote blue, no matter who came from, because they tried to fearmonger people, right? Yeah. And so that's part of the problem. What is it going to take to get people to mobilize like that again, like out in the streets? Number one, I really believe it's going to take an economic collapse in this country. And it's going to take something like a general strike. And I say that because, yeah, a lot of us, like, we want to do those things. Like, I go to protest, um, I organize, and all those kinds of things. Like, I do mutual aid, but I'm I'm in the minority. Most people are not doing those things. So if it's not an event 
that is national news that a lot of people know about, like the George Floyd incident, it goes over a lot of people's heads because most people only watch mainstream media. So if the media controls the narrative and what you see, not as many people are going to get angered. And some people have started to kind of fall back after Joe Biden won. And that's what happened with the George Floyd protest. Now there were demands with that. The demand was to defund the police. But once Joe Biden won, and Chuck Modi can attest to this, he said most of the protesters went home right after that, as if Trump was the problem instead of the police being the problem. Uh And I haven't heard many people since then go out and protest about all these other police brutality incidents that have happened since then, like Amir Locke, Jalen McMillan, like it's been very quiet. Uh And so that's a big part of the problem because again, mainstream media is not covering it the way that they did uh, George Floyd. Those protests were all over the world. Uh So some people are just happy that we don't have Trump anymore. And so they're comfortable and they're willing to deal with it. Now you do have people frustrated because of the inflation this year. Um, Everything's expensive, everything costs more now, Mm -hmm. but that's still not enough from what I've seen to get everybody out in the streets. And I really think it's because some people are afraid. They're like, well, at least we don't have Trump. And I hear this from people all the time. They'll Mm -hmm. admit that, Mm -hmm. yes, we have these problems. Mm-hmm. but they don't feel compelled to get out in the street over it or they can't because they're working two jobs mm-hmm. and they have no one to watch their kid. So that's a big part of it. They see Trump as that extreme and that's all they're focused on. They're not focusing on the economic problems that we have in this country. So I think it's going to take something like an economic collapse. And that's why I want the railroad workers to go on strike. I want the truckers to go on strike. I want us to have a general strike in this country because that's the only way we're going to get some of these progressive policies on a national level. I'm just being real with people because Congress isn't going to do it. Senate's not going to do it. The president of the United States already said he's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. So... You're going to have to do this. It's going to have the movement has to be on the outside. It's going to have to come from the outside. The problem that I have is -hmm. the fact that you were mentioning the squad Mm -hmm. and they still won. What you have to know is that for the most part, they weren't primary challenged. Mm. Ilhan Omar barely won this time around. So her, her in particular, her district is not that happy with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's issues there with her. And AOC will continue to win because nobody is primary challenging her. And mm-hmm. from what I've been told, because Lucy came on to talk about this, from what mm-hmm. I've been told, AOC, her district looks like her. There's not as many black people in her district. There aren't as many white people in her district. For the most part, from what I've been told, her district looks like her. Mm. So if she is helping her district, which is more so the Latino community, and she's doing things that help them, they're probably fine. Yeah. But if you talk to other other people that live in her district, which I have, they're not happy. Wow, they're that's... not happy. They're not happy with her her comments. Some of the comments she made about black people getting reparations, she's against that. 
Right. So what what these candidates have done, the squad members, they are doing what their constituents, what they feel represents their constituents. That's why Ayanna Presley and Cori Bush voted against the Capitol Police funding bill, because in their districts, which the people there look like them, they don't want the police to be funded more because the police harass people in their districts. AOC, not so much. So it's just, they're not primary challenged. And that was supposed to be the next step after force the vote. When they decided not to force the vote, what was supposed to happen, according to the DSA handbook, they were supposed to be primary challenged. That didn't happen because the talking heads and left independent media, with the exception of Jimmy Dore, they didn't want they didn't want you to do anything. Right. They didn't want you to make, hold them to like any type of accountability. That's what should have happened. Another round of candidates should have been sent out to primary challenge them for those seats. And I hate to say it, but AOC has become such a celebrity figure now that it's it's going to be really hard to get someone like her out unless you have someone primary challenge her who is very uh loved and liked and effective. But again, you have to look at the people in her district and who she represents. So that's 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 a big part of it. Um, but I think to answer your, your first question, I think for a lot of people, it's going to take an economic collapse to get people out in the streets. My only issue uh, a little bit with that is that I, I just I'm not assured that uh, American working class people have enough solidarity to go on more like the left side during a catastrophe. Uh, I remember Katrina, what happened in Katrina, some unspeakable things happened to black men after, in, the, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, that of, of all moments would have been where, you know, that was a test of solid, I mean, I know it's Louisiana, you know, I know what that is in American history, but still, you know, it was very revealing in that moment how immediately, you know, the disposable black people became. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I also remember during the George Floyd protest in, I think it was some neighborhood in New York, some the Bronx or something like that. I'm not sure it was the Bronx or something like that, where, you know, some, some um, and also in Chicago, this happened, you know, like Latinos just started, uh, you know, profiling black people and like, you know, just profiling any black people that were around um, as though they were like coming to like riot and steal and whatever. And and some Dominicans did the same thing to black men in uh, in Dickman, I think I remember, Dykeman. I, I don't know if that's the correct way to say it. So, you know, those were the moments where um, that are closest to what you're saying, like catastrophic moments where the social order kind of collapses. I mean, mm-hmm. police precincts, you know, police precincts uh, were burnt down. That's a revolutionary act. And in that moment, it seemed to me that had things intensified, I'm not quite sure if folks would have been on, you know, black people's side. Like, I don't know, man. This What I saw there concerned me greatly. Um, I, I, it was fine when it was just, you know, marching, it seemed to me. But during the more intense moments, um, it, it definitely took on some dark uh, turns. And in an in a economic catastrophe, 
you're going to have extreme resource deprivation, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know what that does to people. I, I don't know if you do, but I'm, I mean, I'm from East Africa, so I know what extreme, you know, deprivation does to people's minds. And uh, if there isn't enough solidarity built in already, it, it could get very ugly. Um, so that's why I'm just very concerned at sort of the seeming, um, how divorced things, things seem to be from the seriousness of them. Um, I mean, uh, you said that a lot of Americans just don't, did, they didn't want anyone like Trump. And I'm like, Biden is like Trump. <laughs> He's funding Nazis in Ukraine. And, and only 20% of the weapons that have been sent over there are accounted for. 20%. Yep. Two out of 10 weapons sent to Ukraine, which is drenched with Nazism. Like the, the army is, it's crazy. Like, like taking pictures, if you see pictures, they have to like blur out pictures every time they take pictures of those people. Of like their their you know soldiers because they have so many there's so much Nazi you know um, symbols and I'm like so you're giving those people weapons and you can only track two out of ten of of every batch of ten weapons and and this is the guy that isn't like Trump who was Hitler apparently <laughs> you know how you see how divorced the discourse is from the actual reality you know. And Biden has deported three times as many Haitians as, as Trump and nothing. And he's getting ready to like invade Haiti, literally. Again, nothing. So I, I just don't know if these are the people that I want to be around in the event of, of an economic catastrophe, you know? So well, know. you know, when I when I look at other countries where people have kind of rose up and they fought back against the oligarchs, when you look at a country like France, right? France, like the people, the yellow vests in France, they hit the streets and said, we're not taking this anymore. I watched the protests over the past couple of months in Europe, uh, in Prague, in the UK. Uh, people have been rising up all over. I watch people in Sri Lanka uh, hit the streets and push the prime minister out of his home. Like I saw all this like on video and I'm like, why can't we have this? Why can't people come together like that here and rise up? And a big part of the problem is the fact that a lot of us are divided over left versus right. Mm. So people are only looking at political things. So they don't focus on the economic issues. But then what about the the largest part of the population, which are the non-voters, right? Because the majority of Americans don't vote. A lot of them are divided based on racial issues or based on class issues. Working class people should be on the same page. Poor people should be on the same page. And realize that it's the the oligarchs that are really screwing over all of us. And I think Occupy Wall Street got that. They understood that. And I felt like that movement really had a chance of going somewhere. They really got that message across. Then Obama had to come in and, and, and try to kill that. So my thing is, is that if you keep people divided racially, if you keep people divided politically, then it's going to be harder for those people to come together and realize that it's the 1% that's screwing over all of us. And that's something that Bernie Sanders was trying to get across to people I think where Bernie messed up was that, and Tesla Figaro talks about this. I saw an interview 
of her when she was discussing this. I think where Bernie messed up is that he believed that all you had to do if you fix the economic problems, then everything else will fall in place. And that's not necessarily true because even if you fix the economic problems, you still have to deal with bigotry. You still have to deal with racism. Like giving me more money doesn't stop the police from pulling me over just because. And that was the piece that I feel was not connected. And so I'm not here to say that people should never discuss race. Obviously, I talk about that. We talk about that at RBM. But what I am saying is that America is a melting pot. And when you look at the countries that a lot of them that I mentioned, and I say the people got together and rose up, for the most part, it's not a melting pot. When I looked, you look at the video in Sri Lanka, everybody's the same for the most part. France can be a little bit different. But for the most part, where people are having these uprisings like that, for the most part, they're not divided racially. So they can focus just on the economic issues and say we're being screwed over. But in America, we are the melting pot. And people are still divided racially in this country. Now it's better than it was before. But there's still a lot of segregation. There's a lot of redlining. There's under-resourced schools in certain neighborhoods. I mean, there's still a lot of problems. So what Bernie was proposing economically, I supported it, I get it. But what I did not hear was how to fix the systemic issues. And that's the problem. And so, and I, I say this, and, and Roger Meadows, feel free to chime in. I say this before, you can throw all the money you want at people and I say this as someone who supports reparations. You can throw all the money at people, but if you don't fix the systemic issues, you're still gonna have problems. Go ahead, Roger. I think you wanted to say something. Yeah, um, so to answer Ashura's question uh, and your question back about the Senate, the Senate is, the Democrats already won the Senate. It's just 50 to 49. and whether Warnock wins or not, it'll either be 50-50 or 51-49. But that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, they should just walk. Just say the hell with it. Shut it down. Shut the entire Ow. thing down. And just, I, I understand. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, for Go. me, at this point, I would just quit. Like, I'm not... Yeah. Walk. You don't want me to go back to work and not give me any sick sick leave? Like, what? what is that? Yeah, exactly. Just walk. You know? Um, because, uh, oh, it, it's... Uh, my phone went dark. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can... Uh, hello? Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Uh, I found it interesting that even the unions don't like the unions, where they said, nah, we want to cooperatize this thing. <laughs> we want to own it because union union leadership failed us representative democracy failed us uh this guy i don't know you know this guy's going in there the 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 person that's supposed to represent them the person that they elected is probably in bed with with the 
you know, with the corporate owners, shareholders, or whatever, maybe he's getting a kickback or whatever the case is, you know, but I think that, mm-hmm. so the, the pain that you, you were um, talking about uh, just now, um, the solution would be, I would think, I would say, you know what, the unions, the workers should say, we want a, we want a bill, we'll come back or, you know, we, we want a bill, a law, that transfers ownership to us, nothing less. Oh, good, good luck trying to get Congress to go on those rails and work it themselves. You know, because you gotta. If 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 you say you're going to withhold, you have to give the people to get the people on your side so they don't turn against you. Something. for you on your behalf you know what I mean so this way you know because they're afraid that that public sentiment will turn against them because then then they're not going to be able to get their uh, their things you know whatever their things are and I said okay you have to you have to take something away but you got to offer them something um, to say here this is what we want you know because um I don't even, this is the simple fact that they're saying, oh, all they want is this. Then, you know, you should be really fighting for more stuff than just this yes. thing, you know, the, 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 the sick days, you know, so we want especially the whole company. Right. Especially at this point. I mean, it, it got this far. Why don't you ask for more things? Yeah. By the way, um, I got you. I got you two customers from Boston. I was hoping, oh, shit. Um, put the phone down. Uh, uh, Two customers from Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> can you? Uh, Dave, yeah, yeah. Roger, what a, Roger is Uber driving, I think. Oh, that's funny because that's what I do. <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, I was gonna put them on, but um, you know, they got out the car. I say, I told, I told them to. They looked up your show, and they subscribed. Oh, what are they doing in New York? Just hanging out? Uh, they got some friends in Brooklyn. They got some cousins in Brooklyn or something. Why everybody? You know what? It's always in Brooklyn. Have you noticed? Let me see. Oh, now I remember what I was gonna say. Also. So you, I heard something about Terry McMillan, uh, the mm-hmm. age of the black woman saying, you, we don't need a man. And then you said they're all, the, they're, all the women are in Atlanta now. Remember what I just said before on your show about, <laughs> remember what I said? It's like, oh, back when I was in college, they was all, all the brothers was talking about, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm going to go to college in, in Atlanta because there's 20 women for every guy and all that different type of stuff. So it's, it's it's funny how you just said that. And then you find out later that half the male population is gay on top of that. I was like, oh, my God, those women must be dying. But No, um, that's true, too. Yeah, like, if you guys don't know, those of you listening, like, Atlanta has a male shortage. Like, I'm not kidding. Not kidding at all. And I know mm-hmm. my friend still lives down there. Um, and I went to visit him the first time after he moved down there. And I had to see it for myself. And I was like, well, damn. I mean, we were there for a couple of days. I didn't see that many dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I hear, and I, and I heard half half of them are gay, also. So that's even another 
you know, strike against you or whatever the case is. But, you know, but that's that's pretty much. Oh, oh, yes. So let me say this before I get these customers real quick. So I had um, we took um, a meeting with uh, Gillibrand today for um, the National Infrastructure Bank Coalition. If, if anyone remembers when I had them on your show about a national public bank. So we're trying to get her to be the Senate sponsor for the to sponsor the twin bill in the Senate for a national public bank, a national infrastructure bank. So I asked the guy who was working for us, listen, we need to push. I'm hoping we can get the senator to get behind the uh, the public, the, the, the two public banking bills in the state. So he said that he was interested in talking further with me um, at a later date to, to fill him in on what it entails or whatever. So fingers crossed. We'll see what wow, happens. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm glad you got a chance to talk to like I said, most people don't get that opportunity to talk yeah. with their members of Congress. I mean, it's, yeah, it's true. Let alone a senator. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Mm-hmm. I'm surprised she so, took that call. No, no, no. It was it, well, it was someone who works for. Her, so he was writing down notes and stuff like that. He's some type of regional director. I forgot, but it was it. It wasn't like me. I didn't arrange the call. It was uh, the National Infrastructure Bank Coalition, and they called me up. And Stu was just like, "Hey, Rod, you want to get on this call with um with your senator or with with her office? We're trying to get a find a, a, a twin bill sponsor in the Senate." So I was like, hell yeah, it's public banking. You said it was her regional director? Yeah, I think that's the see, I I I was four minutes late, so I missed the I missed the introduction part. It's a fancy it sounds like a fancy name for a scribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll see what happens. Um, you know, because we you know, if we could get some because Chuck's not gonna do it. Chuckles. You know, he's he's you know, it was like, ah, but we, but we did say, listen, we, I figured maybe her because she also is the sponsor sh- with for the post for reinstating postal banking. So mm-hmm. I was, we was just like, you know, look, you bring postal, reinstate postal banking and do the uh, National Infrastructure Bank and get the leadership in the state Senate and assembly, or if they ask to push these public banking bills, you know, we can, we can at least, you know, like start, get the ball rolling. You know, I wish we were a BI state. I wouldn't even talk to these people. I, I ha- you know, like you're forced to have to deal with these people. You know what I mean? If, if you're not a BI state, but if we were, no, I wouldn't even true. talk to it's true because I like I don't have to I, I try to ignore like that sounds bad no nope, but it's true I try mm-hmm. to ignore like my, like Elizabeth Warren I ain't trying to meet with her <laughs> I try to talk to Elizabeth <laughs> Warren I I really am not trying to because I know what she's about Snake Snake didn't drop out Super Tuesday I ain't trying to meet with her now when it comes to politicians on the local level like city councilor um mayor i mean i have met the mayor actually i've met all the mayors damn i just thought about that like i three mayors we had uh menino marty walsh 
and Michelle Wu, and I've met all of them. Um, and then also, I'm not even too sure about governor because they be kind of shady, but <laughs> mainly like those on the local level, because um, like I said, it's easier to have access to them and they're not shielded off like the congressional politicians and of course the president of the United States, like they're not shielded off that way. Um, and that's kind of like my focus, but yeah, like some of them, like, I'm not even trying, I'm not trying to meet with Ed Markey. Actually, I met him on, on accident. Actually, he came to, so one thing he does do for people who are not aware every year he does do, um, the Thanksgiving feast for, uh, people in need and, and homeless people. He does that here every year. And I went to volunteer one year, me and my husband did, and he showed up and I was like, well, damn. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how fingers I crossed. That's but all I, I got is fingers crossed. Yeah, but I don't try to meet Elizabeth Warren at all. Like, people, it's so funny. When I first started my show, and I used to go, I started going on other people's shows, people used to ask me, do you, do you talk to Elizabeth Warren? Do you get to see Elizabeth Warren? I'm like, no, I'm not really trying to. <laughs> <laughs> hey Sabi, I have a quick question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I was reading an article today about how the turnout for Black voters has been uh, historically low. I think this midterms, um, and I also read an article about how the pros the Democrats are. Um, I mean, I don't care about electoral politics, but I'm just kind of looking at it from like as if I was watching a series on TV. And I see that they have now uh, sped up the process of making South Carolina the first primary. Uh, yeah, you know, I we see that about now. that tonight. Uh, and I'm like, so what? What is your sense of of African American levels of frustration with the Democratic Party? And I'm not talking like, you know, like RBN African Americans who are on the left, more like outside of what our ideology more like centrist ones or even liberal ones. Do you sense, is, is it real? Is the frustration real? And do you think that them sort of fast tracking um, South Carolina to be the first primary, is that sort of like a counter move to sort of placate African-Americans? What, what's your sense of, of your, uh, the level of frustration in the Democratic Party, do you think? Part of it is to uh, definitely appeal to African-American voters. Um, but... I went to college in South Carolina and my parents retired in South Carolina. And I'm just going to tell you guys, South Carolina is a conservative state. The type of black Democrat voters that you get for the most part in South Carolina, they're not like Bernie Sanders voters. Like, don't get me wrong. He got second place in South Carolina in 2020 because of the college students, a lot of them. So like college of Charleston, University of South Carolina, like that's where some of his support came from. But even then, the young voter turnout was not as big as it was as his rallies when he went to those colleges. So when it came time to come and vote, the younger people did not heavily show up the same way that they did for Barack Obama. That's important for people to know. Mm. Um, but that being said, like in order to get like 
I would say like a progressive uh, voter, you're mainly going to find them in places like Charleston, South Carolina, or Columbia, South Carolina, or Greenville. You got to go into the cities. That's where you're going to find them. And even there, they're, they're not like, there's not a lot of them like there is here in Boston, Massachusetts, if that makes sense. Um, because again, it's a conservative state for the most part, because what you'll find is that even for African-Americans there that are liberal, uh, they're still conservative about other issues. For example, it's the Bible Belt. So a lot of people are religious, especially African-American. A lot of people, you know, there's the black church and there's also... Uh, non-denominational churches, there's there's churches everywhere there. So that's why people call it the Bible Belt. Same thing for North Carolina, Georgia, all the way down. So like, while they may agree with the Democratic Party on some social issues and some economic issues, they may also disagree on issues like LGBTQ because of what the church says. Now that is changing some with the younger generation, but for the most part, and every time I go to visit, I, I'm reminded of this because I live in Massachusetts. So it's always a, whenever I go visit my parents, it, I feel like I'm going like 10 years back in time. I'm not kidding because <laughs> it's, it's a different world. And so South Carolina has the oldest electorate in the United States. Most of the voters that come out are 65 and up. They're the, the boomer, what people call the boomer generation. So they don't want change that much. That's why I just, and you're looking at a state like South Carolina where it's like 50, 50, 50% African-American, 50% uh, white American. And people will be like, why has that state not turned blue? And I'm like, I'm trying to tell you, most African-Americans there don't vote. And that's across the country, by the way. Wow. South Carolina also has very strict voting rules. Like, you do have to show ID. And I've seen people turned away with ID. Wow. There's also the redistricting. Um, they don't have the paper. At least when I lived there, they did not have the paper ballots. You had to use the machine. So you had to stand in line for a long time. So there's that and that, too. I voted, when I voted in South Carolina, mm -hmm. I'll never forget this. I was the youngest person in line, Davis. Wow. Everybody in the line was like my parents' age. So, wow. and, and up. And in here, it's the opposite. Like, like here, it's, it's a lot of younger people up here. But that's that was kind of like a reality check to me. And I remember standing in line with my mom to vote. And I'm looking around, I'm like, where's all the, where's all the younger people? Like, it just, you know, so... That's a big part of it, but it is a conservative state. So if they're going for African-American voters, they're going for a particular type of African-American voter, someone that is going to be more of like a, I guess you would call it a moderate dim or whatever, but they're not going after that Bernie Sanders type of voter. But even the fact that Bernie Sanders received second place uh, in South Carolina after Joe Biden, that still is scary for the Democratic Party, because that said something that he was able to get second place in South Carolina. But again, it's a red state. 
it's a red state. So there's that part. Um, in reference to voting history with African-Americans, that's interesting. We talked about this recently, too. Since Barack Obama, well, let me go back. Since the 80s, it's been decreasing every year with African-American voters until Barack Obama. Then it increased his first election cycle, his second election cycle, it decreased a little bit. But since Barack Obama, it has been decreasing for African-American voters. So yeah, the Democratic Party has is losing support um, among African-American voters. And that does, but what the other polls do show, the other data shows, they're not necessarily going to the Republican Party. They're just leaving the Democratic Party. And they're just not, they're like, no, I'm not doing this. So that says something economically. I see cases here. I'm going to make him a speaker. So, yeah. um, Yeah, but, uh, you know, most of the people that I know down there that are liberal and African-American and are upset with the Democratic Party, to be honest with you, most of them don't vote. And then the ones that do... It's like they're voting against something. They're not voting for something. They're voting against something. So they're voting against Trump. They're voting against um, ending Roe v. Wade. And even that can be a tricky situation down south because some Democrats don't approve of Roe v. Wade, again, because of the church. So... It's a very different world. And that's why someone like a Marcel Dixon, like he was running against Jim Clyburn. That's why someone like him will have such a tough time because of the community that's there. And Jim Clyburn, yeah, he has he helped his district really over the years? No. Is he wealthy and they're not? Yes. But they'll continue to vote for him because he is the familiar face and he has the support of the black church and also black sororities and fraternities. And if you have that in the South, you're gold. You got it. You got it. And that's why someone like Marcel Dixon will have such a tough time. That and the money, because Jim Clyburn does take a lot of money, a lot of corporate money, especially from Big Pharma. But if you don't have the support, I'm telling you, down there, you're African-American, the black church ain't supporting you, and the Greek fraternities are not supporting you, you're going to have a tough time. Uh, you know what I'm thinking? I, I'm thinking about how this is, I mean, I, in the in the beginning, I did think it was about uh, sort of uh, making, you know, make flattering black voters by uh, making South Carolina the first and the centerpiece of the nomination. But now I'm thinking it's more like a game, like a check move against progressive candidates, like because you just mentioned, because of everything you just said about how conservative African-American voters are. But then again, you also said that Bernie came in second, so I'm not quite sure how strong of a strategy that is. Um, I mean, of course, it would be just easier to just kind of meet the people's needs, <laughs> but that's not mm -hmm. going to happen. So I'm just going to end it there and let uh, everybody else talk. It was nice talking to you, Zabi, as usual. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. All right, I'm gonna bring in um, Karthik. You are on the mic, and also shout out Case Study QBs here. Case, you're you've been killing it with the clips this week, man. Oh, you have you've some been great videos. I've seen them. Thanks, Karthik. 
Yeah. Thanks, Sabi. Much love to the chat. You know, it's just been, it's definitely been a busy week. <laughs> Again, a little bit of sleep, but it's worth it to to help out my progressive community, my leftists. And uh, I got a lot to say, but uh, go ahead, Karthik, and then um, yeah. you can give me the mic afterwards. So, Sabi, I know we're all disappointed in the squad because they, you know, voted along with Pelosi and Bernie because he didn't hold the bill like he never does. But you guys never heard about strategy? <laughs> eventually they're gonna do something you know eventually well bernie bernie did vote against he voted against the bill demanding the workers to go back to work and not being able to strike he did vote against that yeah i'm happy but like because because the senate like uh, uh any senator can hold the bill i think for a week or two weeks which is why they were able to like rush this bill so quick, um, mm-hmm. because like as we all know, like 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 for Ukraine funding and also this, like like if if they want to do something, it'll go real quick. But it's like to help the people. It's like uh, then there'll be lots of humming and hong and like oh, is this too much money? Like are we giving them one extra dollar too much? Because um, uh, yeah, the, yeah, that's right. No. Um... Again, like um, for those of you just joining, I will be talking to one of the railroad uh, union members next week. I think that's Thursday next week. And I want to hear their take about this because, like I said, I did read that press release statement that they issued today. And I told you guys, those of you who watch the show, what I say, doesn't this sound very different from what the politicians are saying? So it's like, AOC said one thing. Jamal Bowman says something different. Rashida Tlaib's on an island on her own saying something complete opposite of both of them. Ryan Grimm is agreeing with AOC. And then, boom, they put out that press statement. And I'm like, the press statement says that both parties did them wrong. The press statement says that they are disappointed with both parties and that they think they need to start a labor party in this country. So yeah. I don't know what happened with the communication, but obviously the lines got crossed. Well, what, what I know about Ryan Grimm is that he'll tell the truth after it's convenient too, like after two years or after a year, <laughs> everything's done. That's when Ryan Grimm told the truth. Because um, like I, I, I know I, I don't watch Breaking Points, but a video was recommended to me recently about how like Ryan Grimm was like uh, disagree with all like the the, the the COVID part, like the mandates. And I'm like, dude, you're like a year, two years late, man. And then he yeah. acted like he was like some brave soul for speaking about uh, against like the lockdowns now or something. Yeah, he 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 also the truth that he's allowed to tell. Well, it was after the CDC. Remember the CDC changed their statement. Uh, yeah, they're they're constantly changing their statements. Yeah, so he probably. I think sometimes though, I will say, he is a journalist, and because he is a journalist, he probably has to be careful about what he says and how he says it. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, even when it came to force the vote, he did say, yes, uh, they can force the vote and this is how they can do it. And no, it's false that McCarthy would become speaker. These are the things that they could do. He agreed to that, like all on Jimmy Dore. He didn't didn't support it. Like, he didn't want them to do it. But when it came to the facts, he told the facts, which was, yes, they can do this. And this is what could happen. Well, didn't he support so, it like a year after it happened on, on Brianna's show? He did. He did. Like later on, he came back and, and said that he did support it. But even when he didn't support it, he still told the truth 
about what would happen, whereas other people did not. Other people said that Kevin McCarthy would become speaker, and that was actually not true. And Ryan Grimm did debunk that. And even after Ryan Grimm said that, people were still saying that. So that is one thing I will say, at least with journalists, like they do, he probably has to be careful what he says and how he says it, because with them, it's just supposed to be, you just got to lay out the facts. So whether you agree with it or not, but I did notice the statement that he made on Twitter, which AOC chimed in on again, like Shahid Buttar did explain to me that Ryan Grimm has a direct line to AOC. So maybe that was his source. Maybe she, I don't know. I don't know. But that press release statement didn't come out until this morning. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed again, once again, that like uh, Bernie or whatever, like didn't hold the bill, you know, because like I, I know in the past Rand Paul has like held up some bills on like defense spending or whatever and like he was able to pause the vote for like a week or two weeks mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I like how everyone is like oh this is a bad bill but i'm gonna let it pass jack shit and do nothing but Rand paul is a libertarian remember that oh well yeah i'm just saying like i like sometimes he does the right thing like like uh once or twice a year um mm-hmm. but you well, know Ber- 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 going along with his good friend yeah, yeah, that's true. I think there was a lot of pressure on them to get this taken care of. At the same time, though, um, I don't know. I think Shama Sawant hit the nail on the head. I think it's wrong if you're if you say you're a socialist. I do think it's wrong to tell workers that they can't go on strike. Period. And Are I they? told you that, what I tell you guys. What I tell you guys two months ago, I said they should just go on strike. I said they should not try to sit and wait and allow Congress to even get involved. What did I say? They should just go ahead and go on strike. Now they can't. Are they, they still it. calling them socialists? Because I don't hear that anymore. And like, and I, I, I don't remember the last time I heard like, like any of the progressives in Congress even mention Medicare for all. No, but but that's not just. It's not just that. Why some people will call them socialists? They're going to call them that because they're a part of DSA, and it's. Democratic Socialists of America. So it has socialists in the title, so some people are still going to call them that. Oh, yeah, but I, I think now they've just, like, dropped all pretenses, and they're just like, oh, I'm part of the party now. No, Savvy. some people, no, because some people still do call them socialists. Mainstream media, I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, but I'm talking about, like, like what they themselves, because I know when Trump, they're like, oh, abolish ICE, Medicare for all now. But now they're just, like, completely part of the machine. Yeah. I'm talking about like what they say from their perspective, not what we like say about them. What's up, Roger? I just wanted to say, yeah, I think they should run their own candidates, but you know, I'm going to say uh, as registered independents, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know they was talking about forming another party, and you know how I feel about parties. I definitely mm-hmm. think they should run their own candidates, but you know, as registered independents, really, but. That's pretty much all I was going to say. It's okay, guys. When we're about 90 or 100 about die, then we'll have the public option. That's what's going to happen. Nah, we're going to get that public option sooner through the states. Screw these guys. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that that's how long it'll take for them to do something. We'll all be like R&L nursing homes, all demented like Joe Biden, and then we'll get something good. Well, I want to make sure um, we get Case in here, too. 
Uh, Case, what's your take on this, especially since these were most of your clips? <laughs> um, appreciate you. And uh, first of all, I was thinking of that the, they rush, man, they rushed that bill through so quickly, like Karthik said. And I think what happened was that the donors aligned. You know, you have the Democratic donors that have the Republican donors. And, of course, you have donors that donate to both sides. And when they all align, that's when you can get bills to just fly through like the flash <laughs> to the president's desk because desk, Republicans and Democrats um, uh, agree. Now, I, I want to one thing I was thinking, I have a couple of things, if you don't mind me just talking about real quick. And um, I want to strategize with you for a, a moment. I was listening to um, uh, Brianna Joy Gray, and she had that uh, her last video was with uh, Max and a couple of people that were very in tune with what's going on with the real strikes. And one thing that popped out in my mind was that they said that this fight is going to happen again in two years. In, uh, That's right. Four. So I'm saying, hey, let's start preparing for that now, uh, two years beforehand. And, and I want to strategize with you. So this is my idea with that. Like you just said, Sabi, forget the union leadership, forget um, the presidency. Let's go straight to the workers, the, 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 um, the union members, and say, hey, we want to help you all with a, a wildcat strike, right? And, and this would be the deal. You support a federal 25 days paid sick leave, a federal 20 days of vacation, or maybe we put 14 days. You know, we could decide the, the details. And then in return, we will support you by helping raise money for your Wildcat Strike Fund for 2024 and also um, with mutual aid or, or we can do, I was thinking of, of something called Adopt a Striker. So what that means is we have to find out how many union members. So let's just say we I'm going to throw out some numbers just because I don't have the exact numbers. But let's say there's 20,000 railroad workers. Right. We'll say, OK, we want to adopt one of you guys, like maybe people in the area so that when the wild strike does happen, we can help you. You could come to our house for dinner. You could come and we'll like neighbors who are part of the mutual aid group in the area. We can all say, hey, come to our house one night. You go to another person's house for dinner uh, and we'll help support your family. And then in and in that direction, anything that they need. So but uh, of course, there's a lot more work. I'm just throwing out ideas right now. But I think if two years in advance should be plenty of time to prepare for the next wildcat strike. What do you all think about that? Uh, well, I have a question like kind of indirectly related, but Sabi, you should speak first. I think that's pretty base case. I really do. And Eric, um, Eric T, he's my producer. He's on the call. Uh, you guys should connect because Eric, like you guys are strategy people. Like, uh -huh. like, yeah, you guys are really good at strategy, but I think that sounds really good. Um, I'm better at like execution. So I think we should all like, if we could all get on a call or something, like I said, one of them is coming on next week. So I'll be able to talk to her about what what they what they want and what they're asking for. Yeah, for. But yeah. you're right, two years. This is gonna happen again. Might as well do yeah. something. And and I'm already like the whole idea is I don't even want union member uh, union leaders, the presidents of these unions, because only four out of I think it was twelve union um, altogether. 
they they're the ones that push back. So a lot of times these union leaders, these presidents of unions, first of all, they're making six figures plus, and so they're ready uh, class. They're class traders to a certain extent. If they're not part of the one percent and they're like part of the working class, they're the the opposite of the class traders that we like, which are rich people who are helping out the middle class. These are working class people. These are who are helping or working on behalf helping of the rich people. On behalf of the rich people. Roger. Go ahead, Roger. Go ahead, Roger. Oh, I definitely got to agree with that. We are having such a hard time trying to get the New York Health Act passed because union leadership owns stock in private health care. So they lie to their members, you know, about the New York Health Act. We're not fighting the insurance companies in New York State. We're fighting the, the you know, uh, what's it? I think it's, I forgot. One of them was... Um, is the teachers union the the like the like the biggest unions that are against them is the teachers union and something called district council 37 it's like a a whole bunch of municipal oh my bad i'm on let me get off uh what do you call it all right yeah yeah my bad i was on uh thing the uh bluetooth i don't know if you heard me or whatever the case is yeah we heard but um yeah we heard oh okay yeah yeah but uh, yeah, definitely. Tell me about it. These, the, the teachers' union was for the New York Health Act when Republicans controlled the uh, Senate in New York State. Ah, and, Rep- ah. and Republicans held the Senate in New York State from like the '60s up until Obama first, you know, like his first two years, and then we had that red wave. And they took the Senate back until 2018 because we had that whole um, Cynthia Nixon, AOC, Zephyr teach out and um, fighting Cuomo, Republican Democrats in New York State. So, um, yeah, it's been that, you know, so so now all of a sudden the teachers union is against the uh, is against the uh, New York Health Act. So, um no, I definitely understand what you're saying about. Oh, yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying when you say uh, the union uh, leaders. You know, I mean, like, look, I I knew I had a union customer. He was just like, "Hey, I get fifty dollars an hour, but I see half of it because the other half goes toward my benefits." Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. like, "Do the math. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a savings raise." Yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, Liz, did you get a chance to read that press statement from the the RWU? No, no. I heard. I think I heard you talk about it. That you said that they want to start their own party. That's very interesting. They they said we want they want a labor party, and they mm-hmm. said that both parties screwed them over. I'm gonna send it to you. It's yeah, a send quick that to read. me. I'm gonna send it to mm-hmm. you. Now the thing is, they've said that before, and so so. I, I hope they put their money where their mouth is, but other than that, it's okay because you know we're 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 bubbling it up in the grassroots here. You know, I'm really hard at work planning, organizing, getting this um, mutual aid political party. Matter of fact, I can announce exclusively first here with Savvy Sabs and my call-in strategist crew. I just bought mutualaidparty.org. So that's going to be the site where we're going to be launching this initiative. Oh, good for you, Case. Congratulations, man. All right, Case. Yep. Send me that I definitely website. plan to donate. You know you can sign me up. 
<laughs> a matter of fact, I'm going to work on the first page. It's not if you go there, there's nothing there now. But I'm going to put a splash page where people who want to find out when we officially launch, just put your email, and then we'll, so that we we build a list. I want to start building a list so that when we start the initial launch, we can hit up all the emails and we can hit the ground running. So that should be hopefully uh, in a, in a week or so. I'll, I'll get that first splash page, and I, of course, I'll let the savvy and, and crew know about it case oh sorry hey sabby i have an important question about this uh strike deal so i i, I know that you know like the the uh, progressives caught across the picket line and stuff and, and congress has now forced them to accept the divorce workers to accept the deal with with the uh, senate passing it today um so i know that they can accept or force the workers to accept the deal but like can they actually like force them to work like because because like because like they could still strike couldn't they they just have to like accept the deal so i'm curious how like if they can if the federal government can like, can like literally force the workers to work well legally if the federal government said they can go on strike legally they can't but they can walk off the job. They can leave. And I guess that's oh, they a different quit. type of strike. But like they yeah, they right. can quit. They can't make you they can't prevent you from quitting. <laughs> you can um, walk. They can walk, right. But legally they can't strike if the federal government said that. That that's why I didn't want it to get to this point. That's why I wanted them to go ahead and go on strike. Um but Oh, I thought they were already striking. It wasn't this like weren't they no, striking to get a no. better uh, deal? Oh no, they, they never they they never officially went on strike because I started covering this about two months ago when they said that they were trying to reach an agreement. They've been trying to reach an agreement for weeks, but they never officially went on strike. That's the problem. That's why I said no, 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 no. Just go ahead and go on strike. And by the way, it wasn't just Joe Biden who was behind this. Uh, my former mayor, Marty Walsh, and Pete Buttigieg, they were also behind this. Oh, okay. What the fuck is, is, is Mayor Pete doing seriously? Like, he's supposed to be like, Secretary of Transportation, oh. and he's doing jack shit. Like, like, because this is supposed to be, like, his department, no, isn't it? Like, he's, this is, he's supposed to, like, you know, do a, like, make sure that this shit doesn't happen. And he's doing literally jack shit right now. He was not qualified for that position. He only got that position because he dropped out of the race. Oh, no, but like he's literally just like he's doing anything. Because I remember when he like took two months off for paternity leave, and like nobody noticed. Like it was only written about after he came back after two months off. Like it seemed like nobody even noticed. That um, agreement agreement was already set in stone. That was the deal that was made. See, this is the thing: when Obama called people, said, "Listen, drop out of the race." There were agreements already made with those people. Oh yeah, I know. It just seems like all I'm saying. It just seems like he's doing nothing. Like I, he, I, I, I literally don't know like any, anything he's doing right now. He's not. He's not doing anything. He's basically one of those people. You guys ever met somebody like at your job? It's like they have this fancy title, but they don't do shit. It's, <laughs> it's, like, that. it's like that. Pete got the title, but he ain't doing anything. Every now and then, you'll see him do interviews. And by the way, that's I had a couple of those jobs. Take, uh, he got a two months paternity leave. Because most Americans don't get that. That's the thing. Most Americans, first of all, we don't have guaranteed maternity leave in this country. We do in Massachusetts, but not nationally. And we definitely don't have guaranteed paternity leave. There are still employers that will not allow men to take off work after they have a baby. 
So it's, it's again, that just goes to show you the class issue. See how Pete Buttigieg can get like two months off for paternity leave, but the rest of, of the rest of Americans can't. Come on, man. So are so can they still like officially strike now because 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 no. it sucks? No, they can't. That's legally they can't. That's that's the thing. That bill where uh, Congress, uh, the House passed and the Senate passed the bill that said that they had to go back to work and they cannot go on strike. That was the bill. They can't strike. Okay, they, is this, and they can't strike because are they considered federal workers? I don't know if they're considered federal workers, but I do know with certain industries, the federal government can intervene and demand or basically make a contract for them. And by the way, this isn't the first time this has happened either. Uh, this happened, if I remember correctly, I believe this was under Ronald Reagan, where it happened where... Um, was it the air the air traffic controllers? Yeah, the air tra- the air traffic controllers, where they were trying to do the same thing, and Ronald Reagan came in, the federal government came in and fixed that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, my dad always told me this: you never let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, and so that's why for me, when they were talking about they couldn't reach an agreement. We'll just wait and see what Congress said. No, 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 no. I wouldn't have said nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't have done any interviews. I wouldn't have. That was another thing. I wouldn't have talked to. I know More Perfect does like great jobs reporting these stories, but I wouldn't have talked to More Perfect. I wouldn't have done any interviews. I wouldn't have done any type of publicity until I was like, look, we're going on strike. So it, is the only thing they can do now is just quit? Like, can they do a wildcat strike even? They, they can't. Here's the problem. If they try to go on strike, then the union will be gone. They won't have a union anymore. Wh- why? Why is that? Do you know? Because the railroad, unfortunately, that's one of those industries where if you don't reach an agreement with your union the federal government can come in and create an agreement, a contract agreement for you that you don't get to vote on and it prevents you from going on strike. Okay, so like the only thing they can do now is just quit? Yeah. yeah. I even <laughs> saw that um, Pete Buttigieg kind of gave uh, almost like a threat, like saying, yeah, if they, they try to strike they can not it's not guaranteed that they'll have their jobs <laughs> after even yeah. after that let's say they do go on a strike and then they settle their strike those certain people they could probably still fire anybody <laughs> that they want but the interesting thing i want to bring up somebody i don't think has ever brought up yet in the is that the teachers had this kind of strike years ago i forgot how many years ago it was and i think it started in oklahoma it started in like a red state that the teachers were fed up. The the, the teacher union leader came up West with Virginia. Track. Mm-hmm. Virginia. Okay, I know it's the red states, and they the, the union leadership settled on a contract, but the teachers were like, "Yo, f this, forget this <laughs> crap. We still going to go and strike," and that thing spread throughout the whole country, 
to the point that it was successful. Now, I don't know exactly. I wish I got to see if there's an article on what happened, but I know they were successful. You, you know, know who was a part of that case? Who? You guys know who was a part of that? Richard Ojeda. Richard Ojeda, you said? Richard Ojeda was a part of that. That's ah. actually got his name. Uh, his he got his name um, noticed in the political field because okay. he was the one that encouraged the teachers. No, we need to. You guys need to go on strike. Like fuck this. You guys need to go on strike. Yeah. You guys yeah. just need to do it anyway. And yeah. so that he was a big. Now he's changed now, but um, mm-hmm. he was a big a big part of that uh, mm-hmm. in West Virginia. But yeah, mm-hmm. like it's. Strike laws are tricky, Karthik. Like, there are some states where teachers are not allowed to go on strike. North Carolina is one of them. Um, and uh, it, it sucks because that's one of the states that pays teachers pretty low. But, so if um, they strike, they'll just be fired? <clears throat> right. There's also some states where teachers are not allowed to have a union. It's tricky. Like I said, it's tricky. Listen, when you go on strike, you're always running a risk. You're always running a risk. Like you could be on strike forever. Like, by the way, the Alabama coal miners are still on strike. They've been on strike since last year, you guys. Uh, Two years. Two years. Oh, yeah, that's two years now. Damn. Yes, because we're in December now. So, guys. You got to understand, like, those guys have been striking, and they're striking against not just their employer, but BlackRock, because BlackRock came in and bought up property. That's how all that started with them. Nick and I covered that, like, way back in the day, but um, they're another one. I, I tried to get them on, but uh, they actually went to New York City, too, and they actually protest outside of BlackRock, and they got arrested. Um, but those guys been striking for years, and it's like... The nurses in Massachusetts, in Worcester, Massachusetts, they were on strike for 10 months before, you know, they finally broke and said, okay, we're going to meet your demands. Uh, so you have to have mutual aid set up for those kinds of things. Um, but the railroad workers, like I said, like, I don't think they realize how much power they have. And so when I talk to them on Thursday, I'm going to have to explain, like, look, you know, you got a lot of power, right? Like, why are you letting Congress, people in Congress that you probably never even met, why are you guys letting them dictate? I thought the only power they have now is to quit. They can do a walkout. I've seen those happen before. Sometimes they've been successful. Yeah, isn't that like quitting? Yeah, I mean, like, but who's going to do their job? Because like I said, like, some told me, well, the military can do it. <laughs> Good luck with that one. Military numbers are low. Military well, yeah, and like and it, it's like different training. It is different because these are the frontline railroad workers. These are the engineers. So someone reached out to me uh, this morning on Facebook. Uh, they used to, they don't do this anymore, but they're retired. But they said they were also a railroad engineer. And they said, thank you for covering the story. Um, because... This is just, it's absolutely ridiculous, but they could walk out and, you know, there's also been Chicago, I think, did this Uh, a couple years ago. I think the teachers walked out in Chicago, like they just all walked out one day. So. Oh. Oh, go ahead. Um. 
Yeah, go ahead, Roger. I want to say I want to say something to Case real quick. Um, your governor has been pushing a uh, pushing for a New Jersey public bank for um, ever since he was running for the first time. So um, you might want to push. Hear that? Hear that? That's all I want. Okay, uh, I, I like the sound of that. Uh, I, I definitely been thinking about. I wish there was a place, and maybe Sabi, you know, you might know, where we have people that specialize in city policy, and um, I would say at the nitty gritty level, which is probably city or town policy. Because once we start taking over these towns, I'm having faith right now, right? We're going to start taking over cities and towns. The question is, what do we want to do? So I would love to start talking to people who are policy wonks in these areas and, and that can let us know what power, you know, for example, municipal broadband. That's definitely something that I would like to see done at the city level so that we could put that on a list of things that we want. But what other things do we want? Maybe making sure that the waterways are public, because I know some places are privatized, especially you look at Flint and stuff like that. They're probably privatized, maybe converting them back to public works. And, yep. you know, that's, yeah, let me know. I think that's a good idea. Roger would be better at that. Um, Roger's really good with like city municipalities, um, at least guiding us like to who, what, um, what role we should reach out to. Because when you go, I, I know at least for me, Boston's a little bit big, but I know at least for me here, when you go onto the city's website, there's so many different roles and titles and you're like, where do I even begin? Uh, except for parking tickets, that one's pretty easy to find. Um, but <laughs> I think um, Roger might be more helpful with that. Uh, Lance, I want to bring you in as well. You just have to unmute and get your take on this. Yeah. Oh, the railway thing. It's, uh, it's called the Railway Worker Act or something. So it's specific. I think it's 1926. So it's specifically about we can make you, we can make railway workers work if they mess up interstate commerce. Basically, it's, mm -hmm. it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. See, this goes way back. And this has happened before, right, Lance? This um, happened a couple yeah, times but so, before. Yeah, but so, yeah, you're, yeah, the Reagan thing with the, uh, um, um, whatchamacallit, yeah, with the uh, air traffic controllers. But what I wonder about, Reagan never had the House during his two terms. House of Representatives with Democrat all eight years. You don't think they could have done something, passed a law to, uh, for union rights, you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, Reagan did that. I'm not <laughs> giving him any mea culpa, but you know, but it's been a bipartisan thing. It's been a bipartisan thing since the end of World War II for the corporatists on both sides of the aisle, as it were, to uh, destroy unions. Democrats have been working just as strong to corporatize. But you know what happened in the, just a tiny bit of history of in Michigan, sadly, the corrupt unions and the corrupt GM, they said, look, we won't make you do cafe standards. We'll make it so that Toyota and the other international companies can, can destroy you in the long run because we'll just have crappy cars that, and we won't have them crash test good and we won't have great mileage standards in return for, frankly, outrageous pensions and the union got everything they want. That's when it was corporate, partly mafia, partly corporate. And it was a, a wink and a nod on both sides. That's what destroyed Detroit. It wasn't Republicans that destroyed Detroit. It's when it was bright blue. You know what I mean? 
So mm-hmm. yet another area where the, the, it, the Democrats that are more evil because they had control of the levers of power from local to state and federal to make the changes and to take care of blue collar workers because that was their constituency. You can't blame Republicans that have been country club Republicans since jump and say, oh, boy, a Republican. Yeah, well, they didn't control the levers that Democrats did on, uh, you know, on all these other levels. So when, I, I when people, when, thing, when people you know, say like they're just as bad, the Democrats are worse. WhatsApp. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I say the same thing about Baltimore. You know, like people talk about the crime rate in Baltimore. People talk about the poverty rate and they talk about like the buildings and things are falling apart. And I'm like, Baltimore has been run by Democrats ever since I was born, probably even before I was born. But I, I'm just saying, like, who let the yeah. cities run into the ground? Well, yeah, it's no coincidence that where did Nancy Pelosi cut her teeth from her dad and her family, which were the part of the whole Baltimore political set structure. So, boy, mm-hmm. she cut her teeth on one corrupt city, bright blue state, even then. Then now to San Francisco. That place was so corrupt that when I was there in 1982 in North Beach, my friend actually had worked at a club. Uh, it was a yeah, semi fancy, like, 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 a, a, excuse me, I'm Italian, like a Guido club, you know, with the thing. And he had a two foot sign. It was called Big Al. So the guy who owned it was a, his name was Al. And he was around. You could see him. I mean, it was very still very kind of like just blading in your face. Yeah, we run the show up here, especially North Beach. Uh, San Francisco, very much corrupt in Pelosi. So forget about these blue cities, you know. San Francisco, what? They're going to have robocops now that are going to be able to shoot citizens now. So, Listen, I mean, the it- robot pot thing is driving me crazy. I was telling my dad about it. He was like, are you serious? I was like, yes, I'm dead serious. Vote blue no matter who. That's bright blue San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi, rah, rah, right? And who's the mayor, whoever there, you know? But, yeah, that's it. That's that's why I I can't. It's it's just so frustrating to not to get into people's brain. Who controlled all these cities for the most part? And this doesn't, this doesn't let Republicans off the hook. But it's it, it's blue controlled cities like Seattle, like Portland, like L.A., like San Francisco, New York to a lesser extent. They actually have viable shelters that aren't, you know, they're bad, but they have them and whatever. But to a lesser extent, definitely New York. And, yeah, sure, some cities that are controlled by Republicans, too. But, hey, let's face it, the ones that we hear about that are the worst, it's, you know, in the crime. It's D.C. and Chicago and Baltimore. These are bright blue cities, folks. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. We got we to gotta own up. It all comes down to and political we'll education. Like We have to let yeah. the people know. Well, could I say that at the same at the same time you have Republican, you know, the red states that are actually the worst in education and healthcare. Oh yeah, that's important to note too, and and that's that's a problem. Like we were talking about South Carolina earlier. South Carolina is one of those states that's ranked as one of the worst states to live in because of the education system and because of the healthcare system. Uh, The same thing can be said for states like. Arkansas and say, you know, what's right. really funny, though, I just thought about something. Bill Clinton just popped into my head. That was kind of bad. Uh oh. Arkansas. Did you guys know Bill Clinton actually won southern states? Did you guys know that? Oh, yeah. 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 He, he was able to win states like Arkansas was his home state, but he was able to win Arkansas. I think he also won, I want to say, Louisiana. Like, yeah, he was able to 
win like southern states but any but anywho like you know that's just something i have to point out because fox news they'll say that a lot they'll just be like all these Democrat-run cities, yeah, those cities have problems, but they won't mention the fact that these red states are have uh, some of the worst like education uh, rankings. Oh, oh and- absolutely! I'm definitely not letting Republicans off the hook. Yeah, you know, but I'm just saying that like some of the worst places really are, and some of the most corrupt really are in some bright blue places, and some of it comes from originally well-meaning policies that wound up being NIMBYism because generations of stopping anything because of environmental reasons that became a whole industry, and they didn't do infrastructure, so they don't even have engineers, but they got armies and armies and armies of people that know how to stop stuff, and that became the uh-oh. mentality. It's crazy. Matt Taibbi wrote about it, but it's all over. Yeah, no, 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 no. Republicans are just as bad. Pox on all their houses, you know, on both their houses for sure. But we, but Democrats, and, and, and maybe Matt they're starting Ta- to wake up to it. I might have to cover Matt Taibbi maybe Sunday. I, I might have to do a special stream Sunday to talk about this Twitter thread that he put out because this this is crazy. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I, I saw that um, Ryan Grimm and um, they had that show on Breaking Points um, called Breaking Something, but um, or something points. But basically, they they did a, a five o'clock p.m. stream on it. And that one of the things that was interesting that I was even thinking about clipping was that Matt Tybee said that Ro Khanna was like the only person that he saw. Because he's the one going through all the, the, the documents. He said Ro Khanna was the only person that he saw that spoke, that emailed back, um, I believe, Twitter and said, hey, this is not a good look. This is going against freedom of speech. And like he was he was the only one that was telling them, like, don't do what you're doing. Um, yeah, at the time. So. Yeah, he told he told who not to do what they were doing. I think Ro Khanna, and I hope I'm I'm saying this right. Ro Khanna emailed back Twitter and t- was telling Twitter that what they were doing in regards to how they were blocking, um, they were blocking, I think, reporters or, you know, I think it's stuff that had to do with um, Joe Biden's laptop or, you know, the, the um, Bo Biden's laptop. Oh. He was telling like, this is against freedom, the First Amendment, and you guys <gasps> should not do this. He was the do only you... person. Mm-hmm. When you have... Can you send me the link? I'll send you. I'll send you the link, and then I'm gonna actually clip that, and, and I'll okay. send you the clip too. Mm. Okay, because I think I might do a special stream on Sunday since I'm not streaming Monday night because I want to cover that Twitter thread. At the same time, I want to give myself time to look through it more okay. so. But I saw the stuff about the Hunter Biden um laptop story, and I was like, oh snap! Listen. Everybody need to protect Matt Taibbi at all costs, okay? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, shit has hit the fan. <laughs> but I, what I thought was cool, though, was that apparently, like, Elon Musk chose him to be the guy to go through it. So I don't know if that's a, mm-hmm. a uh, something to the left. Well, I don't know. Matt. Well, we know Matt Taibbi's not right wing. And I don't know if he would classify himself as left wing, but no. he, that might have been an olive bent branch to to the yeah. other side. You know what you think? I was told today. I was educated today because I thought Matt Taibbi was progressive, and I was educated today that Matt Taibbi refers to himself as an old school liberal, which right. is a liberal that used to be anti war. Mm, okay, 
I know he's a Bernie fan, so that, yeah, okay. Yeah. He's where I used to be. If I was more successful, I'd be where Matt is. But I was down in the down in the down in the down in the lower quintile for so long that now I'm I'm almost like got rid of all my middle classness. At least <laughs> now I'm like lower middle class. I'm down there, man. But oh, could I just throw in about the, the worker co-op thing that I've been doing? It's going to go to the next stage. I'm actually going to be looking at like physical structures now, so that if we, you know, so anyway, that's really moving along. And but this whole thing that you mentioned about the Labor Party, because I, I got to get with folks. And you know what I think now? Because I'm going to do a fundraiser at a Trumpy place. It's a place called Fat Bottom Grills. Fat Bottom Grills is the name of this barbecue place. It's in Trump country where I live. And there, I think I mentioned this before. One of the uh, components of this whole project of the worker co-op run by you know prisoners and uh, then it will also employ homeless and disabled folks and all that it's really i don't i didn't even bring it up because i wasn't sure it was kind of being held off now it's definitely you know going to go to the next phase so it, it looks like it you know not brick and mortar place yet no starting date but it's really going to happen so that's where you, people i think have to just we got to just do what we could do alongside the existing structure as opposed to trying to what's there, obviously, and, you know, mutual aid and all that, you know. Uh, but I'm going to be doing – and so here's here's my thought for the day. But so the people that I'm going to be doing a fundraiser with, uh, you know, they've already said they've – I'm going to actually start booking bands and talk to my old buddies now and go back into the city and, you know, really put the pedal to the metal now and see if who I can get to book and start booking bands out here in the country and in the city – you know, and it will make some money. I'm not going to fund my whole project with it, but it'll also, of course, it can't lose money because I have no budget for it much. You know, and it'll just be, I know how to put these things together for on the cheap and then, um, you know, get free publicity, get a lot of free press. I know how to do press kits and press releases and all that jazz and then get the word going and get the community involved in the country. So here's what I was going to get to is. I'm going to work with conservatives because I can get along with them so much better than I can, even though I disagree with them 98% of the time politically. We're doing something that's about agriculture and, and stuff, so it's obviously a common ground thing. But I'm going to work out here politically. I'm going to start doing that and, and if I do it, you know, because I'm not bureaucratic. I don't like parties. I'm an anti-ismist. But, man, New York can be a hotbed for labor stuff. i got to figure out a way to get in touch with these folks from the railway uh, unions that are trying to do a labor party because even though I want just independence. So what? I work with any party in any group, especially a new group. New York can be a hotbed for labor, especially in the country. They're just as much of a of a of a strong union mentality sometimes, at least old school, in the country as there is in the city. And I think it's going to be easier to work with on that Venn diagram that overlaps with country folks, even if they're Trumper types, and then go to the people in the that I can find politically that are on the left, like Green Party-ish or DSA or you know, whoever, Democrat, if God forbid, of whatever kind of movers and shakers that are in the political structure to, you know, or independents on the left, and go to them secondarily instead of trying to work with the people, even though they're my natural tribe of people that I tend to agree with, and then, and then also you know, I want to do it both at the same time, but I can work with Trumpers, I think, almost easier than people that are on my own side. Um, Lance, um, MMT Informed Leftist is asking, where are you located? Where are you located? Uh, Central New York. I'm in American Siberia. I I'm in American Siberia. I Syracuse, New York. Syracuse, New York. Okay, Actually, I'm about 20 miles to... east. Okay, Actually, I'm about 20 miles east. Go ahead, Roger. Go ahead. 
we should talk. Yeah. Lance. I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I'm in Long Island. Because all right. Meet you in St. Right. Louis. I'll meet you in Bingo. You in Louis, on my way to Carolina. On my way to Carolina. Okay. No, I'm. Uh, I can't give you my information. I'm driving. I. I. Well, that was interesting. So go ahead, Case, because I, I know you said you had um. Uh, you had a lot to say. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say real quick that um, I tried to look up that counterpoints. That's what it's called. That uh, Ryan Grimm does a show on Breaking Points Channel, and I think they might have just went live real quick, and then I I don't see the video anymore. So I'm sorry I I came and clip it. So I don't. I'm sorry, Sabs. I don't. Unless I do see it, uh, I'll be able to clip it. But as of right now, I guess all we have is that thread that you're going to cover. All right. That's okay. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll post it tomorrow. Yeah, maybe they'll post it tomorrow. But um, I do have a lot to say, but I'm, I'm here at work and somebody's trying to reach out to me. So I'm going to put myself on mute. But when I come off mute, then um, I'll be available to chat. All right. Okay, cool. Okay, um, Lance, MMT Inform Leftist said that they just messaged you. So, MBCIT, how can I help you? Hmm? Yes. Wait. Yes. Uh, can I be SSO, please? Okay, so I think you have to mute yourself. <laughs> 206 Okay. IT uh, could, um, help is, desk. What's your name? Eric, yeah, dude. All right, yeah, I, I do see you're locked in Active Directory. Go ahead and try to log in now, please. <laughs> this is kind of interesting. This is kind of interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. We get to hear me work. Let's hear case work. <laughs> case, tell them to do an IP config. Oh man, this is interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's messed up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. All right, buddy, you have a good one. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. Well, that was interesting. Okay. Well, that was interesting. Go ahead, Roger. Thoroughly. <laughs> Oh, I think I lost Roger. And maybe Lance. Oh. No, I'm, I don't know what state everyone's in, but I'm in a state of confusion. Cause I'm... <laughs> oh, was I on, unmuted the whole time? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yes. To, to ask oh, my God. I told them to. And you can't mute me, Sabby. I apologize. I was about to mute you, but then you ended the call, so I was like, "Go up." So I was like, "Go up." I apologize, everybody. I told them. I told them for you to do an IP config. Only technical people know that one. Only technical people know that one. 
All right, so I do have. Can I talk now about what? Can I talk now about what? Yeah, go ahead. All right, Roger, you have uh, Echo, so just FYI. Yeah, yes, I was thinking about this uh, recently, and uh, part of this is motivated because I was listening to, um, I was listening to Brianna Joy Gray, and she went off on a in calling. This person came on, and she he was like, "I told you so." Like basically about her faith in, um, kind of like her faith into the, um, the squad or whatever. And you know, I, I don't think Brianna Joy Gray had total faith in the squad. She was more skeptical. She, she what she called it was she had grace for them, right? But as soon as he was like, I told you, she's like, I am not having, I am not here for it. And she went off on him. And basically, what I thought about that call was he was just saying um, the obvious, like, oh, we need to do a general strike. And and at this point, we know what they need to do. The question is, how do we do it? How do we get it done? So I, I'm I'm starting to think of this term called the productive left. You know, we all we have different terms. It's called you know we have the boutique left. They have the dumb dumb left. They have the radical left. All these different names. And to me, that's just not my style to call people's name. But I like this name of let's become or let's popularize the productive left, which is what we're doing right now. We're strategizing. We're coming up with ideas. We're collaborating. We're saying, hey Lance, you reach out to Roger. Hey, Case, reach out to Roger about this. You know, we're getting things done, and that's the most important thing. So I want to promote that. Let's all become part of the productive left. Yeah. That's the thing I want to say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the party in political party, and that's why I'm doing gigs at restaurants and places like that, and it's going to be specific about a certain cause, but it's going to be part of the whole picture, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. But that, what do you think about that, that Saps? I agree. I think that's that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the best like thing to do to call into someone's show and just be like, <laughs> "Told you, told you, told you." Told you. <laughs> I, to- like, I told you so. She was like, "If you anybody, I guess anyone calling, I think um, guys, I think his name was Eric." I think he might call in on the show every so often too. And I, it's not Eric T, but uh, he, and I'm not even blaming him. I think he has good intentions, but there's ways, you know. Brianna's come a long way, man. Always. Not that she was always, yeah. she's very smart. She was never like saying, oh, but I was Bernie's guy, so I got to support him. No, she's been critical of him yeah. whenever she felt she needed to be from jump. I appreciate that. But she's come a long way to say, uh-oh, yeah, the whole left is gone. So she's come a long yeah. way. Now, if you want to call into what, Dave, does David Sirota have a show? Now, him, you could say, I told you so, you know, because <laughs> that's a different story because he's still preaching. Or, you know, Ryan Grant's show maybe, but not Brianna Joy Gray. She's not yeah. Remember, Sabby, when that time somebody said, why are you interviewing Ro Connor and on your show? Yeah. And you went off. He's like, yo, don't tell me who to who I can interview on my show. <laughs> it reminded me of that moment. That's I was like, whoa, this is spicy. <laughs> I don't know who that guy. You know what? I don't think I ever heard from that guy again. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just, and you know, and people still, some people still say that case. Like some people I bring on, people be like, oh my god, why are you talking to this person? Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. God! Why are you doing it? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it's not that big of a deal, you guys. Like, yeah. you have yeah. to hear from people that have different opinions. Like, 100%. you can't just talk to people that only agree with you. That That is actually really boring, like, 100%. to be honest. You know, like, but, I don't uh, know if anybody t- said that to you about Andrew Yang, but I thought you had a great interview with Andrew Yang, and I've I've watched a lot of Andrew Yang um, interviews on Breaking Points and on different channels. But for some reason, you were able to bring out like answers from him that I didn't see anybody else were able to bring out. That's why I had to clip that clip that you did because I thought that was a very informative, poignant point that he made about people um, who go into Congress with good intentions, but they get caught up in the system. Yeah. Um, Some people weren't happy with me for doing that interview. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And see, we wouldn't have gotten that answer from Andrew if you didn't interview him. Well, yeah, like some people were like, don't talk to him and da-da-da. I was just like, you guys are weird, man. Like, honestly, (laughs) no. Like, Like, I wanted answers. Like, I wanted to know I wanted to hear from him why doesn't yeah. this party have policies? And that doesn't mean I'm going to agree. Like, and also I got a chance to ask him about Julian Assange again, which, you know, his, his position now is what he said on the interview is different than what he said before. Yeah. Because before he said, he thought that he should be, he should, he should face trial. Right. Yeah. Um, and I also got to ask him about Israel and Palestine. Like I had to wow. let him know, like, yeah, he, that, that was kind of my way of let uh-huh. telling him that, like, listen, your takes on Israel and Palestine have not been good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have to say you've done a masterful job at not not kind of putting a person on the defense. One thing that I really like that you do is almost like the um, I know Howard Stern. I believe he's famous for doing this. Uh, not Howard Stern. Um. The guy that used to be on CNN, that old guy, uh, can't think of his name right now. Um, the dude <laughs> that that he retired and then he went on um, Russian, like he was on Aurora or something. It was like a Russian today. Huh? Russian today. Huh? Larry King. Larry King. Thank you. Larry yeah, King. Will Pergam. Yeah, Will. And Michigan Deb. Yes, Larry King. What he did, what he does is he'll ask, ask a question and he'll do this marvelous, marvelous. Um, very radical kind of way of interviewing where you let the person talk. <laughs> like you ask a question and then you actually <laughs> let the person talk and let them like complete their full thought instead of always interrupting, interrupting, interrupting the person. And, and you know, so I like the fact that you would ask a question and then he's able to like get his whole thought out and it's very revealing to hear like what they say, you know? Yeah, I, I think you know, I've I've seen a lot of interviews in my life. I grew up in an Oprah Winfrey household. Uh, and I say I want to be clear what I mean by that. Like my mom always watched Oprah, and I, I learned like different styles of interviewing, which I think is important for people uh, starting this out to study. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. I learned what I like and what I don't like, and I, I realized I don't like the type of interviews where people talk over each other. I don't like that. Uh-huh. As a, as a viewer, I don't like it. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm like, I can't hear what's being said. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't like that. Some people do. I also learned that I don't like the Bill Maher style. Uh, one second. I also learned I don't like the Bill Maher style. I don't like that either. Like, it's just like, he'll ask someone a question and then they start talking and then he interrupts them all the time. I don't like that either. Mm-hmm. Okay. So oh, for me, it's just like, how do you how do you get people 
to talk without pressuring them to the point where they want to get up and walk away? How do you get people to ask, to answer like tough questions Mm -hmm. without them getting so upset that they're just like, I'm not going to, like how Kanye walked out. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because I saw an interview where I think he did it with Crystal Ball and you could tell he tightened up and he got real serious and he he could tell like he kind of started pulling back. But with you, I was waiting for him to do that, especially when you brought up the issue of Palestine. And he did not. He still kept a calm demeanor the whole time and, and like an open demeanor. So I was impressed by that. I think it's important. Well, thanks, Case. That That's really sweet. Um, I think it's important that, like, first of all, like, I think when you start off an interview, I don't think it's a good idea. First of all, I don't I don't yell at my guest. You mm-hmm. guys may hear me yell at the camera when it's just me mm-hmm. like talking to the audience. But when a guest comes on, I don't talk to them like that. Mm-hmm, uh, I may mm-hmm. push back on them. Like, I think the person I've probably been the hardest on was Rokana. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I wasn't yelling at him, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you can push back on people without yelling at them. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't I don't like yelling at guests. I think it's just unprofessional. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to ease people into tough questions, meaning that, like, mm-hmm. You need to start out with something that's a little bit easier first. Let people mm-hmm. explain who they are and what they're doing. And then mm-hmm. you get to the other things. Because I think if you start off that way with with, with Rokana, I mm-hmm. could do that because I know he had a very short amount of time. Yeah. But typically that's not how I do interviews. I start off with letting them explain who they are and why they believe what they believe. And then you kind of lead them into the tough question. But like, mm-hmm. I've seen Jink Uger like yell at people during interviews, and I'm like, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, interview more people. I-, I wish more people would be willing to come on the show and go on different shows and just have conversations, and we'll be able to really. Uh, come together and have more solutions. It's, it's sad that Ro Khan is like literally the only congressman that's willing to represent. Not only because people will argue and say he's not representing his constituents, but at least he's representing his position, like his personal position on the issues. <laughs> so that we know, you never have to guess what Ro Khan is thinking, because at some point he'll let you know either through an interview or, you know, he'll let you know. But like, the squad, you're like, are you guys strategizing? What are you all doing in Congress? What Are you talking to each other at all? We don't know because we can't ask them the question. You know what? That's that's true, Case. And you know what? Another thing I realized, too, I think like some of us may have had the impression, at least like in the beginning, that all the members of the squad were like friends. Mm-hmm. I think some of us had that impression like they're all friends. They're part of the squad. They're buddy, buddy. Yeah. And based on what I've seen in the past couple of months, I don't think that's necessarily true. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't name themselves the squad, the press gave mm-hmm. them that name. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it too, but no, you're right. Like Rokan is the only one that's willing to come. I don't know what, how this happens. I don't know if he just stands up and says, that's all right, guys, I'll take one for the team. Mm-hmm. But he's admitted this himself. He said this on Breeze podcast. He was like, they should not be doing that. They should be yeah. supporting independent media. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and by them doing that, there's potential 
that your a clip from your interview might go on Fox News or it might go on CNN or MSNBC, and then people are going to be like, oh, who, who's that person that he interviewed with? Let me go check them out. And you, you say, wow, I just got a thousand new subscribers. Where, I wonder where, where did that come from? So now you're helping independent left media grow so that now let's say Ro Khanna has has like what happened with the letter situation. I know he was able to go on different mainstream channels and get the word out, but let's say mm-hmm. they didn't want to give him a platform. He could have came to Savvy and be like, okay, can I talk about this issue with you? And you'd be like, sure. You know, that's how you build relationship and camaraderie uh, amongst the, the the people. Yeah, and he's the only one, too, that um, spoke out publicly about that, by the way. He was. He was. It, it, it's very sad. I know... He he came out and he said Hakeem Jeffries is the perfect person for the Speaker of the House. So he says some stuff that I'm like, come on, bro. But um, he, he does some base things and then he does some not so good things. So he's a he's a mixed bag. <laughs> he responds to people on Twitter too because CJ called him out because he was like, Rokana, why are you trading stocks? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. CJ was like, Rokana, why are you trading stocks? And so CJ had like a whole like uh, graph or whatever. And Rokana actually replied and said, those are my what? That's my wife's family's money. That's not mine. <laughs> See, so he, at least he told you, like, hey, it's not me. <laughs> I know he retweeted. I, I clipped him one time and he retweeted the clip. I guess he liked, you know, how it was framed. So, yeah, he, he's definitely somebody that's out there and it's active. Is I don't I guess I don't think it's a. Uh, assistant doing it is probably him himself <laughs> controlling his own Twitter account. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually him. That's um, him. Because, yeah, because <laughs> I know because Savage Joy, <laughs> Savage Joy contacted him. She got mad. Um, mm. After I had my interview with him, she got mad because he lied about not knowing about the Medicare oh. for all March. <laughs> okay. So she went after him. She said, how dare you? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you know if he responded? Yes. Oh, okay. He did good. respond and no responded way. to her. Um, she was responded to privately as well. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yes. Okay. And then the next day, Pramila Jayapal announced on Twitter, "There's a Medicare for All march. I just want you to know that I stand in support of that." I was like, "Oh Lord." <laughs> <laughs> so he he might have contacted uh, Pramila, Pramila, and maybe Pramila. that's how that happened. You know, Pramila, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it was it was kind of funny. I I can't wait. I envision us having a strong um outside movement and the stronger we get on the outside, the more we'll be able to pressure the inside and and it's good to have different people like Ro. I can't say anybody else's name that at least we could communicate directly and he could kind of vouch on our behalf. We, that's how the the power structure always works. You have the outside game. That's us. I don't want to be a part of the inside at all. Then you have the inside outside. That's like the the people in on the in between and they doubles the NAACP, you know, Justice Democrats. I think they've wanted to be on the outside, but they've become an inside outside type of organization, working family parties, inside outside. Those are the people that tries to be with the activists, but try to talk to, you know, the inside people. And then you have the inside people like Ro Khanna. And as I, what I think has been the weakest part is the outside game. And, and that's what we're working on in this call and around. 
Yeah, right now. Yep. Oh, go ahead, Roger. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I don't know what happened. I lost him. I don't think he meant to do that, but um, I want to bring in Pedro. Pedro, I'm inviting you to speak. I think I lost Roger somehow. Oh, there um, he is. Okay. I, I, I said, I can, can you hear me? I can hear you. What's oh, up? Uh, so uh, since you are talking about Rokana, uh, I don't know if you know, but Rokana has a, a, a call-in uh, account. He actually was on the day on David Sirota, and I asked him a question. So just I just called to say that as a, a suggestion, you maybe could kind of uh, ask him, interview him he, here on call-in, and he could like answer questions. That's all I had to say. That's all. Thanks. Rokana has a call-in account? Well, damn. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. I actually asked him two questions, and uh, he answered one question and kind of avoided the other. So, but, but, but I like him because he, he engages, you know, with us. So that's kind of to appreciate, I guess. Wow, wow. Oh, go ahead, Roger. Shoot, I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I, I was definitely liking what. Um, uh, uh, oh, oh, yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. So here's the thing no one knows what's going to happen. I'm talking about, you mentioned Hakeem Jeffries. Okay. Um, Hakeem Jeffries may never get to be speaker. You don't know how long Republicans are going to hold on to uh, the House. I mean, Democrats held on to the House from JFK to, uh, what's his name, to Clinton. You know what I mean? Um, you don't know what could happen. You know, like, I don't really like to make any uh, predictions or anything like that. Um, we could get something, you know, like, started here in New York where they end up turfing him out. You know, somebody, matter of fact, oh, yeah, um, you know who, uh, who was challenge, challenging him when, um, what's the word, when, um, he was first running for that seat, like, I don't know, a decade ago, whenever the hell he was running for that seat, um, I sent you some, some links about him, Sabrina, um, Charles Barron, okay, so, Charles Charles Barron was pretty much talking about the same shit that you and RBN talking about, you know, talking about capitalism is the problem and we need to do more socialist society, so on and so forth, right? So him and his wife would would switch like they would they would like one would be in the New York State Assembly and his wife Inez would be in the city council in the New York City Council because they're, they're they're based out of Brooklyn okay so just a little bit of history um, he's a former uh, Black Panther so I grew up watching him he would he would be on on um, this show called like it is that aired with Gil Noble from like you know like the late 60s till Gil Noble's death in the 2000s and you know he would have 
all of these people. I mean, he you should you should look it up. It was it was like a Sunday morning thing, right? And Gil Noble, he would have on all these people who were um like the the infiltrators of the Black Panthers and stuff, you know, like people who people who and you know, the, the the people that was on the government payroll and stuff like that, you know what I mean, to infiltrate the Black Panthers and all the other black liberation organizations and they would come on his show and they would talk about their story but anyway getting back to charles Barron or whatever the case was right so you know charles Barron would be one of the um not one of the traitors but you know he it was just that he would be on his show as like a regular guest and stuff like that and the very thing so he's retiring this year um him and his wife and um the very things that you guys are talking about now he was on that shit back then and is still and is still on it. He was like the uh he he did to Cuomo so many times what like remember when like Joe Wilson from South Carolina yelled at you Obama saying you lie? Um Charles Barron was doing that every state of the state address to Cuomo, talking about you sold out the people in Brooklyn, you did this, you did that. And blah blah blah, and they they would have to like get off me. They'd have to rush him out there, <laughs> rush him out of there, and whatnot. And um, no, you should you should look him up. I, you know, I, if if there was any way I could, I would be able to try to get in contact with him to get him on you. Oh, hello, you still? I'm I looked him up on Google. I'm gonna try to see if I can get in touch with him. Yeah, yeah. I need. I mean, Roger, you need to send that link for me that he was talking to infiltrators. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm talking about, okay, two separate things. There was a show called Like It Is. Okay. Okay. Let me look this up. It was with Gil. It was Gil Noble. It was on ABC. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it aired from the 60s -hmm. to when Gil Noble died in in the 2000s. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But he would have different guests on his show. You see what I'm saying? Mm. What I said mm. about infiltrates, that had nothing to do with Charles Barron. It was just I was mm. telling you about the show. Mm-hmm. And then I said that Charles Barron was a regular guest on the show. Bill Cosby oh, was a regular okay. guest on the show gotcha. also. But no, no, no. Charles Barron was not an infiltrator. He was a he was he was a boom Black Panther. He went into um he was he tried to form his own party a couple of times. But what I was saying with Hakeem Jeffries, my bad, that's that's originally what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. He was, I think he was hitting, oh, he was hitting Hakeem Jeffries on, on Palestine like 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And um, and then what happened was, now I don't know if this was a deal behind the scene or whatever the case was, or it was just coincidence, but Hakeem was, I mean, Hakeem, um, Charles Barron was hitting Hakeem upside the head on like him standing with the Israeli government against Palestine and so because remember you know the Black Panthers were for Palestine and he you know and he was a Black Panther right and it was going all good until David Duke decided that he was going to step in and was like yeah you know what that Black Panther is talking some sense that was it that was like the end of his campaign they just oh look at this guy he's he's with the KKK and so on and so forth and it it pretty much sunk his campaign for for, uh, Congress so that's how Hakeem Jeffries ended up in, in Congress because the um in the primary the democrat party didn't did not want charles barron uh in there so once david duke opened up his mouth and he's not even in the state he's just like oh you know what that that uh charles barron he's talking some sense about you know like he kind of twisted what he was saying you know and uh 
So, you know, and that's pretty much that sunk his campaign, <laughs> you know, to be the ads and all of that, you know, but I'm just saying, you don't know how long Republicans are going to control the House. For all we know, they, they could like outlast them or they're probably who knows what happens here in New York. They could find somebody, some was, you know, the community, I don't know, come together and find somebody to, to bump. I mean, I don't want to say the wrong words to get him out of office. To, Can you know, I throw in a quick thought? Go ahead, son. Go ahead. My bad. You don't know, no, but I'm on New York where I live. Uh, there's actually a few. The, the, the city of Syracuse, they're uh, independent, leaned right, center right, like not far right Trumper type at all, at all. But anyway, it's very purple around here. A lot of it goes from Democrat to Republican to Democrat to Republican. And if in the market that we're in, I'm in, you get like three or four, five districts. They're some of the most competitive year in and year, or, you know, term in, term out uh, right here in central New York. Um, so it's ripe for, you know. Your senator is Rachel May, right? Uh, your senator is Rachel May, your state senator? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, but it goes from like when it was Catco and then it goes Republican. He was a uh, Republican, but it goes Democrat, Republican. But we we have an independent, um, you know, a mayor from Syracuse and all that. Um, but oh, by the way, Roger, uh, I could email you just to touch base on this. Not that it's the most important thing you wanted because you want to touch base. I could if you give me your email, I could email you the proposal that I sent to the score lady. It's not. I had an original 30-page proposal, but I condensed it and updated my, it. Let me put my Twitter a, a thing in the in the chat. and then Okay. I don't mean to tie up this time on Savvy's room and all that. I'm sorry, but... Um, no, we're connecting. This is what she wants, right, Savvy? You want people to connect. That's right. That's the whole point. Yeah, because this thing was kind of in a in a not kind of a holding pattern a little bit, and I'm like, well, I don't like to talk about cars before the war, but you know, you still have to talk about it as it's happening. But now it's it's going to proceed to like a, you know, two steps away from a brick and mortar. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's really happening. I have I have people that know how to do this I stuff. Put it in the chat, by the way. Smarter than me that know how to do it. I missed out on a grand opportunity, but she said there'll be others that'll come up. You know. Not that that grant would have paid for the whole thing or, you know. I put my Twitter handle in the chat. So if you want to send me something. Lance. Um, okay, cool. In 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 this chat here or? In, in the call-in chat. Do you see it? Oh, on my. Uh... If it's there, I'll find it. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you just click on the chat, you'll be able to see. His Twitter. Oh. oh, where Pilgrim? No, no, it uh, says Roger M. It's right. Case just put it at the top of the chat. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, I mean, because I'm like you guys about not wanting to get that involved in electoral politics. I mean, I've gone around and helped local politicians, my friend Doc, uh, you know, in the uh, in the South Side, you know, black politicians actually. And, you know, I'll do fundraising here and there for them, you know, but I was never that at all involved in electoral politics. I would get involved if there was a chance to, 
if it was going to be realistic and plausible to actually make it happen, why not? It's not like I wouldn't do it. It's just something, one more thing. So why not? But wow, I think it's ripe out here, even in the country, for some kind of uh, fairly progressive-minded people. New York's a little different. It's not Bible Belt. It's not, even if you have Trumpers, they're not, I don't know, generally, yes, we have our wackos, just like everybody else, tinfoil hat size. But I don't know, New York's just different. I don't know, I think. But you know, Lance. Lance, here's the thing. You have at least a chance to talk to to state lawmakers, a better chance than federal. I talked to, um, what's, um, Case had mentioned something about municipal broadband um, earlier. And I went to Albany a few times and I actually spoke with Senator uh, May because she was heading a committee on trying to get you guys public broadband because I know it's big upstate where like we might have terrible broadband down here but you guys have no infrastructure upstate right 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 well one other thing though is see i'm i'm i can't get that involved because my thing is i want to do like squatter i squatted for 10 months yeah yeah okay yeah no doubt a few years ago no yeah i mean i I don't know that might i'm not i'm not like you know bandana clad rah rah like let me support antifa type but so (laughs) i don't i don't i mean i i'll work with electoral see i'm 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 not i'm like whatever whatever's gonna work i am willing to work with electoral politics i'm willing to work with people from specific parties or independents it doesn't matter to me uh but the working railroad Labor Party saying that's the thing that's always worked as third parties invariably, not entirely, but, you know, it could be really strong social issue type thing. But most parties that have worked in America as third parties were based on workers and worker rights. So this whole thing with the railway folks sounds really, really super interesting. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, but I, you know. I, like squatter rights, but doing it like legally, it's really hard to do now because I'll just crack down too much. And but you know, not that I want to be that radical. I don't care. I'll work within or without the system. You know, I could do both. But I mean, I want to do more like, well, like real estate, man, the whole housing thing, but direct action. And then yeah, get the right lawyer who wants to be the next progressive senator. I, I agree with what you're saying. Like get people that want to be the next state senator, but trying to get people that are already in there. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. State though. You're right. State. Believe, believe it or not, because Sabrina, what you was just talking before, um, or someone was talking, I forgot what it was saying. Right. But what I noticed is, you know what, in, in New York, the biggest, um, how would you call it? The biggest, one of the biggest hindrance a progressive policy it's not that much of a hindrance it's really leadership but the biggest hindrance to progressive policies passing in new york is not where you live it's where i live because where i live these mofos are comfortable out here what i look at when i take a look at the state lawmakers whose districts are in are in the boroughs of new york city i see them more working and coalescing with the upstaters, with the with the upstate uh, state lawmakers, because of a little populism, you know, type of thing. They may not be on the same thing when it comes to certain issues, like I don't know, uh, guns, maybe, or you know, whatever the case is. But when it comes to you know broadband, um, when it comes to like uh, some, uh, a few of them down for the New York Health Act, um, and some universal things. They find, I see that the ones in the city find more 
coalescing with those upstate in the rural areas than out here. I can't get these guys out here to, to, we only got one senator. My senator is the only one that's back in the New York Health Act. The rest of them, we're like, nope. You know what I mean? So, you know, upstate is where it's at. <laughs> I want to make sure we get Case in here um, before we head out. So Case, because um, I think you had more to say as well. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, at every level, it's the donors. It's the, the people who have the power that's influencing our politicians. Like, that's the whole thing behind this railroad strike. Biden could have easily went to, which is what um, Jake Tapper was drilling Pete Buttigieg on. He said, you guys could have went to the billionaires, to Warren Buffett, and said, hey, you need to make seven days, at least seven. They're not even asking for a month off. They're asking for seven days. And they're not willing to do that. So at, even at the city level, the municipal municipal broadband is we're going to get a pushback because Comcast, because of um, Optimum Online, because of Verizon, they're going to be the ones saying, oh, no, we don't want you guys having municipal broadband. We have a contract with the city or they're going to say whatever they want to say to try to prevent a cheaper, more efficient alternative to them. So we're going to have to be ready to fight. And that's why we have to build power from the grassroots up. And that's how we're going to get this thing to go down. Much love to you. Much love to Sabs. Much love to Roger, Lance in the chat. Appreciate you guys. And I love how we come together and organize, strategize on calling. Much love. Awesome. Case, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm going to go ahead and call it a night. And stay tuned because I'll probably do a special uh, stream on Sunday about the Matt Taibbi story. So stay tuned for that. I'll send out um, a notification via my newsletter and also 